And as far as I'm concerned, for the last year, Diesel's been walking around with my title. I don't think Brett can defend himself any longer. What's he waiting for? Well, the official, the official wants Diesel to continue to wrestle. I don't know that's a wise decision. Who was Wait a minute! I saw myself, not some corporate puppet that you decided to create, Vince. Sean, can you hear me? Pat. Pat, can you hear me? Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast going back in the time machine to November of 1995 for Volume 1 of this month's show. Volume 2 looks at WCW and World War 3. Volume 3 is all your ECW action, including a review of the November to Remember show. But we're hearing Volume 1 for the WWF, looking in particular at Survivor Series. I'm being joined firstly by Kira Mitchell. Uh, Bob, how are you? I'm very well. And Craig Wilson? Hello all. Uh, Craig, kicks off with the news. Yep, uh, so Bret Hart ended Diesel's long WWF title reign at Survivor Series, defeating the champion by roll-up after a lengthy match. Perhaps the most noteworthy part of the whole story was Diesel afterwards shouting motherfucker after Bret had surprised him with a roll-up to win the match. The following night on Raw, we saw a Diesel character with an edge not seen since he'd won the title. Big Daddy Cool is back. The most significant angle coming out of that Raw episode was the storyline collapse of Shawn Michaels mid-ring during a match with Owen Hart. After Michaels reprised his Royal Rumble spot, he returned to the ring, went to pose, and then just fell to the mat with nobody in sight. The angle was presented as a shoot, so much so that even people who called the WWF offices the next day were told what happened was real. The angle was timed to coincide with Sting facing off against Hulk Hogan on WCW Monday Nitro. On the television that followed, they played it up like Michaels may have been suffering post-concussion syndrome after the Syracuse attack last month and that he may have returned to action too quickly, something that may have may have more truth to it than people think, and Michaels will be off television for a while, although given that current plans point to him against Bret Hart at WrestleMania, expect him to be back by the time Royal Rumble comes around. Reports have been emerging backstage about the increasing power base of a group known as The Click. It's said that there is an element of control surrounding Razor Ramon, Diesel, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Shawn Michaels and the 123 Kid. The incident in question involves Sid, who has previously promised the Intercontinental title from Razor Ramon. The title, it is said, will now be moving to Helmsley next. Of course, it should be remembered that Diesel lost the title this month. Elsewhere at the Survivor Series, one interesting note was the result of the pre-match show where the Smoking Guns defeated ECW's Public Enemy, who had a tryout match that wasn't said to be anything special. The Body Donovers defeated the Underdogs, Aja Kong was the sole survivor in the women's match, Goldust defeated Bam Bam Bigelow and The Undertaker cleaned house as his team won a clean sweep against the Royals, and in the wildcard match, Shawn Michaels, the British Bulldog and Ahmed Johnson were the survivors with Johnson picking up the win on Yokozuna. Vince McMahon met with talent at the beginning of November to address a number of issues including falling morale and the reduction in B-show live events. It's said the cuts are impacting the entire roster, although understandably these are being felt more by guys towards the lower end of the roster. 
It's been reported that names like Jean-Pierre Lafitte, Karma and Bob Holly have all made complaints about lack of dates and that Bam Bam Bigelow may end up leaving because of it. The WWF will be raising the price of its in-your-house pay-per-views from next month from 14.95 to 19.95. The story ran this month in the New York Post saying that federal prosecutors are investigating whether there was witness tampering during a steroid trial last year and finally the wildcard matchup at Survivor Series that mixed faces and heels was a Bill Watts idea but nobody bothered to ask Watts what the storyline explanation for it was before he left. Despite this, they ran with it anyway. And both individuals' career. No doubt about it. Somebody's going to go up, somebody's going to go down. One thing's for certain, neither one of these guys are going to be the same after this. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us this Sunday. It all happens at the Survivor Series. And if you don't mind, Big D, let's start with you. How do you respond, Diesel, to the phraseology that Bret Hart is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be? I think everybody in the World Wrestling Federation is entitled to their own opinion. I think Brett's, uh, I mean, he's one of the best there has ever been, but uh, right now Big Daddy Cool's kind of got a hold of that belt, and uh, I think I'm pretty darn good. So you think, of the two, obviously, you're the best there is? Uh, right now, definitely. And as it relates to the best there ever will be? That's to be seen. Bret Hart, how do you respond to the fact that Many would say justifiably, Big Daddy Cool Diesel is known as the leader of the new WWF generation. Well, I don't know what quite, you know, what that makes me then, you know. Uh, again, it goes, we're going back to a time, we go back to Survivor Series when I lost the uh, World Wrestling Federation Championship belt to Bob Backlund. You know, I, I've always had a problem with that. You know, the fact that my mother, who was never... You know, she was never uh, designed or supposed to be at the ring to, to, to be uh, an official in any way in that match. And I've always had a problem with the fact that I lost that title in the first place. And to me, I should have always been the champion from that point on. I don't think I really lost the title in a fair, in, in, in a true sense. And uh, when we had our big knockdown drag out at the Royal Rumble, uh, again, you're talking about a situation where no winner was declared. And Diesel, you know, went off with the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt, and uh, and and I don't think he uh, he didn't beat me, you know, and I don't think that uh, anything was settled. Uh, Jack knifed you. Yeah, but that's before there was any didn't pin me. But yeah. all due respect, Brett, neither did did you beat him. Well, for the same for the same reason, but uh, I. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, after that match, I mean, I don't doubt for a second that that was the hardest match uh, Diesel had. Of all the matches I've seen him have, I think that was the the hardest fought, the toughest fought. And uh, I didn't get a rematch after that. And uh, don't well, remember, I don't remember him asking for one. And, you know, don't toot your own horn. Shawn Michaels gave me a run for my money, too. So in any event, it, it all comes down to this Sunday, gentlemen, and it just seems as though that... Uh, the temperament here with both of you seem to be a bit on edge and I wonder if if there isn't a, a bit of professional jealousy involved here is there any professional jealousy uh, Bret Hart with you as it relates to the current WWF champion Diesel uh, none whatsoever I have nothing but the utmost respect for Diesel I think he's uh, he's a, a great wrestler you know I think that uh to have held the championship and defended the title for as long as he has for over, I think it's over a year now. Uh, Just about a, a year. Remarkable accomplishment. Um, but I will say this much for Diesel, that in, in reference to Shawn Michaels, I think Diesel's done very well against big guys that are his size, but when it comes down to technical wrestling, that skilled technical type of wrestling, I think he just got by 
this much by Shawn Michaels, if that at all. And with me, I think it was the same thing. You're talking about technical wrestling, fast, skilled. You know, and after 15 or 20 minutes, uh, big guys tend to run out of steam. And that's, that's where I come in. That's where I'm at my best is that's at the 20-minute mark. And Diesel's a great, he's a great champion. But, uh, you know, I've noticed that, again, going to technical wrestlers, uh, he's um, picked... You know, his opponents so that the, the technical ones uh, aren't getting title shots. Well, I, I think that was the Bulldogs big. A couple of notes from the introduction of Monday Night Raw on November the 6th. Firstly, they overlaid a clip of Ahmed Johnson body slamming Yokozuna, along with the comment that he became, quote, the stuff legends are made of. Quite the comment given the last person to body slam Yokozuna. The show also had a couple of clips from during the show itself as part of the introduction showing to the audience that it wasn't live. During the owner between the British Bulldog and Marty Jannetty, we get a picture-in-picture with James E. Cornette's attorney, Clarence Mason. Mason said he sent a memorandum to WWF Interim President Gorilla Monsoon and, as a result, at the December In Your House pay-per-view, Bulldog will face the winner and the champion of the Survivor Series title match. The fake Bill Clinton is back. He says WWF is one of America's best exports and he would be honoured to attend Survivor Series. We cut to superstars. Bam Bam Bigelow interrupts Goldust's introduction. He challenges him to a match. Goldust says his eyes are full of hate. So he sort of accepts those two will be facing off at the pay-per-view. After Henry O. Goldwyn won a squash match, Hunter Hearst Helmsley came out, pedigreed him on the floor, then doused him in slop. We get a promo from Diesel. He says he and Brett are facing off for the third time and we'll finally get to find out who's better. Todd Pettengill channels Mean Gene Oakland and says he think it will be the best WWF Championship match ever. Shawn Michaels phones in during a karma squash. He says he feels okay having got back in the ring during a house show match, but he says he's still feeling a bit disorientated. In the main event, we reprise the feud that will never end. Bret Hart teams with Akushi to face Isaac Yankum, DDS and Jerry Lawler. Lawler grabs an actual chair, like a classroom chair, goes to strike Hart with it. The Barry Horowitz, who's at ringside because he's mates with Akushi, grabs hold of the chair off of Lawler, but because the referee turned around at the exact moment, Lawler and Yankum are judged to have won the match by interference. We start off Raw on November the 13th with Henry O'Golwin against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Goldwyn decides to slop himself, which pops the crowd. Hunter, running away from the smell, ended up slipping on the slop before hightailing it up the entrance ramp. The match soon ends in a countout. A video package airs promoting Shawn Michaels. He says he doesn't think being big makes you good. Quote, being good makes you good. He says he's the most entertaining performer in the WWF today. You can get the WWF calendar for 1996 with these on the cover, all for the special price of $21 plus shipping. We have a sit-down interview with Diesel and Bret Hart in separate studios. They tease dissension between the two. Bret says Diesel hasn't beaten him before. Diesel quite rightly points out that Bret hasn't beaten him either. Bret calls Diesel a great wrestler and says that holding the title for such a long time, but he's done well against guys of his size. But when it comes to facing guys of the size of him and Shawn Michaels, Diesel has come unstuck. In the main event, the 1-2-3 kid is refereeing a non-title match between Razor Ramon and Sid. Dean Douglas walks out and being matched in a scouting mission. He then attacks Razor with the kid distracted. Razor later sets up Sid for the Razor's Edge, but Kid pulls Sid off of Razor's back. Sid hits a power bomb and Kid does a fast count. Win, uh, so Sid wins the match and the kid turns. DBRC shoves a $5 bill into Razor's mouth before the kid takes the money out. It seems like the kid has been bought. The show goes off the air with Razor attempting to fight, start a fight with Douglas in the back. 
You know, when I, when I won the World Wrestling Federation Championship, I said at that time I'd take on anybody. And the first person I took on was Bret Hart. I mean, if I was trying to dodge a technical wrestler, the last person I would, re- would want to get in the ring with would be Bret Hart. I don't see me dodging anybody. Uh, I wrestled Shawn Michaels. I wrestled Owen Hart. I wrestled anybody and everybody that wanted to come along. All right, so we come to this rematch now. This is the third time, the rubber match, if you would. There's no time limit. There's no disqualification. There's no count out. Will Big Daddy Cool survive the Survivor Series as the WWF champion? And if you will, how do you think you will? Well, I mean, I'm going to go with my strengths. I mean, I I don't get paid by the hour around here, so I'm going to try to knock him out and knock him out quickly. I mean, I'm going to use my power. I'm going to use my size. I'm going to use my leverage. I mean, I'm not going out there to, to win on points in some kind of collegiate wrestling match. I mean, I'm going out to do what Big Daddy Cool does best. That's beat people up, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. And, Brett, with a no disqualification provision, uh, although it seemed that you were the aggressor in the second match, to a certain extent, more than Diesel was, but does it disconcern you that if things get ugly, if things get nasty, aren't you concerned about what a man that's, that's over 7 feet, over 300 pounds can do to you? Um, absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't doubt for a second that uh, this is going to be one of the hardest fought matches I've ever had. And, uh, you know, based on the last two, I mean, the first one was a knockdown dragout and the second one was a knockdown dragout. And uh, basically the uh, second match, you know, I applied the same uh, medicine that was given to me in the first match. And uh, nothing's been settled in either uh, battle. And... Uh, you know, I, I, again, I think my strengths are that I gotta, I gotta take this match as far as I can. I gotta try to wear Diesel down, which is no easy task. And I think I've, I, I've got certain strategies that I tried in uh, the first and the second match with Diesel. And uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to come up with something uh, different because he's, he's kind of caught on to whatever uh, strategies I've got. But uh, I've always got tricks up my sleeve. And uh, the one thing about the Hitman is that the Hitman, uh, sort of like a Timex watch, you know, I take a licking, but I keep on ticking. And uh, the more time that goes in this match, the more trouble Diesel's going to be in. And let's talk about the experience factor to, to Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Uh, you have been on a, a skyrocket, if you would, in your career here in the World Wrestling Federation and all the way up to winning the World Wrestling Federation title. And now you possess that uh, accolade for almost a year now. In terms of momentum... In terms of uh, uh, of your your ambitions, tell us what you feel you can give the World Wrestling Federation with a victory over Bret Hart. Well, what does that mean to you if, in fact, that happens? I mean, uh, Bret Hart has been here for 10 years. I mean, he's been a cornerstone of the World Wrestling Federation. He's been the epitome of a, of a true professional, the true champion. Uh, two times, uh, in my estimation, I've jackknifed him, and, and two times uh, there's been outside interference that has uh, hindered me from making the cover. I mean, the question lies in my mind, can I beat this man? You know, I'm not going to sit over and say that he hasn't given me two dogfights, we haven't been through two wars. I'm not going to say that because it's been a war. It's going to be one again. The thing is, I'm bigger, stronger, and smarter than I was in January. All right, Bretton, one final question to you. You've done it all. You've done it all twice. Two-time WWF Tag Team Champion, Intercontinental Champion, World Wrestling Federation Champion. What makes Bret Hart tick? Why does Bret Hart reach for this brass ring, if you would, one more time? Is it is it the money? Is it the glory? What is it, Bret? What, what's driving well, you? It's certainly not the money. And uh, 
I think what it really comes down to, there's a certain point in your life where your memories, you know, they become more important than your dreams. And uh, there's, there's a certain time when you reach that, and I haven't reached that yet. And uh, last year I was uh, interrupted with my World Wrestling Federation Championship reign. It was interrupted, and I got one title shot. No winner was declared. And as far as I'm concerned, for the last year, Diesel's been walking around with my title, my championship belt. And uh, it's time to find out who is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Well, gentlemen, it is all about memories. It is all about dreams and about ambition. The best of luck to both of you this Sunday night. And we jump straight into Survivor Series review. Craig, you can kick us off with the results. Of course, in the opening uh, about the body donors of Skip, Rad Radford, Zip and the 123 Kid uh, with Sonny and Teddy DBS in the corner defeated the underdogs of Marty Jannetty, Hakushi, Barry Horowitz and Bob Holly with the 123 Kid surviving. The next matchup saw Bertha Faye, Asia Kong, Tomoka Watanabe and Lioness Asuka with Harvey Whippleman defeating Alundra Blaze, Hyoku, Anu, Saki, Hasegua and Shaparita Asari eh, with Aja Kong surviving. Goldust then defeated Bam Bam Bigelow in a singles match. The dark side of The Undertaker, Savio Vega, Fatu and Henry Godwin with Paul Bearer defeated the Royals team of King, Mabel, Jerry Lawler, Isaac Yankum, DDS and Hunter Hearst Helmsley with Sir Moe with the entirety of the dark side team surviving. Then we had Team Michaels of Shawn Michaels, Amy Johnston, the British Bulldog and Psycho Sid with TBS and Jim Cornette defeating Team Yokozuna of Yoko, Owen Hart, Razor Ramon and Dean Douglas with Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette with HBK, Ahmed and the Bulldog surviving. And in the main event, Bret Hart defeated WWF champion Diesel to win the title in an ODQ match that ran for nearly 25 minutes. Kieran, what do you think of this show? I actually thought it was really good. I actually thought there was, um, we'll get into, like I said, each match as it comes, but I actually found quite a lot to take from this, more so than some of the recent stuff we've been reviewing. So, if I was to say overall, I say I really enjoyed this show, really enjoyed it. Craig? It's by a, a country mile the, the best show uh, from the WWF in 1995, uh, certainly so far in my opinion, and any match that wasn't at least good was at least interesting. Hmm. Well, I, I debating this with Stuart Brooks of the the New Generation podcast um, project podcast. Sorry, and I, I kind of he said to me that like, he thought this was the best show of the year, like you did. And I kind of thought uh, I, I thought SummerSlam was better. Not that not that we not that we're here to, to compare shows and probably do that at the end. But I, I think in terms of this was a solidly booked show with good action that featured nothing bad on it, which brings it above about half of the WWF pay-per-views this year off the bat. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't, nothing on this show really grabbed my attention, nothing blew me away, and, and the main event, it, it was the one Bret Hart Diesel match to feature a clean finish, and yet I'd probably argue it was their worst match of the three that they've had, not to say that it was bad. Um, but we will we will come to that really as, as we come to each match. Uh, we open the show with Mr. Perfect being introduced. He's joining uh, Vince McMahon and Jim Ross on commentary. And we jump straight into the first match. It's Marty Jannetty, Hakushi, Barry Horowitz and Bob Holly versus Body Don Skip with Sonny, Rad Radford, Dr. Tom Pritchard and the 123 Kid with Ted DiBiase. Razor Ramon comes out trying to get at the kid who's freshly turned heel. Uh, they're held back and Razor is sent backstage. We start off with Pritchard and Ginetti. Ginetti goes swinging in the corner of the heels and clears them to ringside. 
Holly powerbombs Radford, then hits a body slam into an arm drag. Hakushi charges at Radford, who turns it into a lovely spine buster. Radford tags in the 1-2-3 kid, who gets a lot of boos. The kid goes for the biggest heel move in the book, a splash from the top. Skip goes for a backdrop from the second rope, but Hakushi reverses it into a crossbody. The crowd get a Barry chant going. Pritchard hits a gut wrench powerbomb on Holly, then misses a moonsault from the top. Holly goes through a crossbody from the top and pins Pritchard. Skip then rolls up Holly and it's three against three. Hakushi goes for a Vader bomb but Skip gets his knees up. Skip goes for a Frankensteiner from the top, then collapses. The crowd start another Barry chant. Hakushi hits a springboard back elbow onto the kid. The crowd are going nuts. Hakushi goes for the top, levels Skip with a shoulder tackle but can only get a two count. Hakushi goes for a springboard splash but the kid moves out of the way. We go to a picture-in-picture of Razor Ramon watching backstage with Vader, Fatu and Henry Godwin. Kid levels Hakushi with a roundhouse kick to the back of the head. Radford pins Hakushi with a handful of tights. Horowitz gets into the ring with Kid. Skip tells Radford not to pin Horowitz. He wants the win for himself. Radford hits a Northern Light suplex for a two, then starts doing some push-ups. He wants to be a body donor, is what they're kind of telling you. Horowitz capitalises on his showboating and rolls up Radford. It's two on two. Horowitz is taking on Skip. Barry hits a lovely elbow, then a running knee. Kidneys Horowitz in the back and pins him. The crowd rally behind the sole remaining babyface in Marty Gennetti. Skip charges at Gennetti and crotches himself on the middle turnbuckle. Skip goes through a powerbomb, but Gennetti rolls through a sunset flip and almost gets a pin. Gennetti hits a rocker dropper. Mr. Perfect says on commentary, well, that'll break your neck. A, a reference to the Chuck Austin story from last year. Well... Uh, no, 93 actually, sorry. Uh, Sonny knocks Ginetti off with his footing on the top, but Ginetti regains his composure, hits a lovely powerbomb from the top, and pins Skip. We're down to Ginetti against Kid. The Kid drops a leg from the top rope, but Ginetti kicks out. Kid goes for a cannonball from the top, but Ginetti moves. Ginetti hits a drop kick for a two. We cut to the R way, and out comes Psycho Sid. The crowd chant a, way, a start of Razor chant. Ginetti hits a rocker dropper on the Kid. Ginetti pours a little too much, and the Kid gets his foot on the, foot on the ropes. Diesel distracts the referee, Sid snaps Ginetti's neck off the ropes, and the kid pins Ginetti as the sole survivor. Craig? I think this match is excellent. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the, the, the teams, and it's severely lacking in star power, and because of that, with 1-2-3-Kid uh, recently turning heel, it's kind of obvious that uh, it's going to be him that's the sole survivor here, but there's some great action in, over the, the course of 20 minutes. I mean... I mean, you'd probably argue it's a bit of a throwaway match in, in some respects, but there's a little bit of storyline development here, and all in all, it's just a nice sort of 20-minute opening uh, opening of a show match. Yeah, I really like this one. Sure. Yeah, it's the same, really. Like I said, you, you, you might look at the sort of the lineup before the match, and you'll go, well, I'm not going to really expect a lot. So I kind of went in thinking, it's not going to be anything amazing. But I thought, like Craig, it it, it sort of did its job. Um, it's totally freshened up the one, two, three kid for me. He seemed to get some decent heat. Ginetti seems to be over. They're obviously setting up something there. And like the best, the highlight was that top rope powerbomb, which I just thought was absolutely fantastic. So... All in all, I thought, wasn't expecting a lot, and what I got was a lot better than what I expected. So I really enjoyed this match as well. Yeah, um, th- this isn't the first time that we- we've seen a Survivor Series open with kind of just groups of guys that we don't really have any place on the spot for, but th- that's not necessarily the worst thing, in the- and when we'll see this as-, as we get to other matches later on, in that because there's no theme to these teams, and because there's nobody they're particularly interested in trying to protect, they just put... 
a team of baby faces against a team of heels and they let them wrestle the match and there's no interest in trying to protect anyone there's no interest in in trying to oh god we've got a pay-per-view coming up so he can't be pinned or anything like that we're, we're, we're not trying to do anything like that so we just end up with a really good four-on-four match and i i think it it speaks a lot that you know the kid had turned six days before and he was getting those kind of reactions. I mean, because I, I remember when they started this match, and obviously, you know, you can you can show what happened on, um, you know, you can show people in the arena what happened maybe um, on, on, on the big screen on to the kid on Monday to remind them what had happened. Um, but six days after his turn, and the crowd are already giving him some quite vociferous booing. And then on the other side, you've got Barry Horowitz, who's turning into this unlikely hero in terms <laughs> of, uh, as we kind of come back to what happened at SummerSlam. And... Craig, I think the crowd helped this match a lot because I think in, in, in another arena this match might have, I wouldn't say died a death, the action was solid, but I think this could have been a very different match had the crowd not have gone with it. Oh, absolutely, but uh, in, in fairness to the, the guys in the match, they did everything they could to get the to get the crowd on side, and I have to agree uh, with the earlier point, the, the standout uh, moment was certainly Marty Gennetti's top rope powerbomb. Craig, what do you think of the kids' heel turn? I think he, the the character need, needed freshened up. Uh, the, the fact that he was able to transition from being a bland babyface to a, a heel that's getting such a reaction shows that the the crowd are behind the the change as well. So it's, it's and it's obvious from the fact that he was a sole survivor that they've certainly got plans from. So it'll be certainly interesting to see where uh, where they go with him. Kira, same question. Yeah, I, like I said in my initial review, I said it just totally freshens the character up. Um, it's now going to be about who they put him with. I, I think what they might do, or what I hope they might do, is kind of have him as like that, um, how they sort of finish this match, where he's sort of going to get a lot of help, and he's going to get some really cheap wins, you know, maybe some distraction roll-up type things, and do that before they put him in like a full-fledged match. But I'd like, I'd really like to see where they're going to take this character now, and like I said, it just really, it's freshened everything up for him, I think. Kira, any danger that a guy of his ability is going to have to significantly change his wrestling style to fit being yeah. a heel? Yeah, the, the, that's the thing. You can you don't want them, Bob, to sort of rely too much on the distraction kind of things because it is a good way of getting cheap heat is to have him sort of maybe not sort of fumble through a match but wrestle a certain way through a match, then get like a distraction. But when he's out there on his own, he's... I just don't know how that's going to go, if I'm honest. I, I, I don't know if he's actually got it in him to wrestle that kind of way, which is, I, I think, what you're alluding to. I, I'll end it by saying that at least finally we, we've got a, an actual dividing line between the few between in, him and Razor, rather than this <laughs> e, e, this you know, hyper-extended programme where they, they kind of half-turn on each other every two and a half weeks and they reunite and they turn and they reunite. It's like, OK, we've got a, we've got a dividing line now. I mean, I... I think I'd have turned Razor, but, yeah, you know, one, one for another day. Uh, we cut backstage to, to see Razor running amok in the dressing room, launching TV monitors across the room. We're then backstage with Todd Pattengill, Owen Hart, Yoko Zudo, Jim Cornette, Mr. Fuji and Dean Douglas. We get promos from all the teammates and Cornette. Out back out, it's Alundra Blaze, Kyoko Inui, Saki Hasegawa and Chapirita Asari versus Bertha Faye, Aja Kong, Tomoko Watanabe and Lioness Asuka with Harvey Wibbleman. Vincent Mann hands over to Jim Ross for the call. Asuka puts Asari in the giant swing. She bridges out of a pin. Asari hits a sky twister splash for a two. Blaze tags in. Blaze hits a German suplex and pins Asuka. 
Blaze flies to the outside from the top but hits Watanabe. Hasegawa hits multiple suplexes on Watanabe. Watanabe then counters for hitting two sit-out splashes. Hasegawa then hits a lovely pair of T-bone suplexes on Arja Kong. Kong hits one of her own and pins Hasegawa. Kong hits a second right splash on Asuka and pins her as well. Inui gets in and runs uh, over Kong with a clothesline. Inui goes out of a sunset flip, but Kong sits on her for the pin. It's three on one against Alondra Blaze. The trio simultaneously climbs to the ring. Blaze tries to fight tries to fight them all off before taking on Watanabe. Blaze then seems to give up on the pin before hitting a pile driver to pin Watanabe. Faye gets in against Blaze. Faye bumps into Kong. Blaze goes for an ambitious German suplex and just about pulls it off to eliminate Faye. It's one against one. Kong goes for a butt attack in the corner. Blaze hits a Frankensteiner for a two, then a standing moonsault. Kong runs over to Blaze for hitting a spinning slap, and it's all over. Kong is the sole survivor. She signals that she wants the title. Kieran? Again, I, not expecting much, but that's probably because I don't really, I wasn't really up on who, you know, a lot of the women wrestlers were in the match. But again, it was just really good, fresh stuff. It seems to be that they're really moving like the way they're booking the matches. It might have something to do with the fact that, you know, it is a Survivor Series match, so you're going to get stuff you're not going to get in other pay-per-views. But again, it just everything feels really fresh. Um, it's obviously been booked around getting Arja Kong ready to go up against um, Blaze. Um, so I thought they set that up quite well. And again, I just really enjoyed the ring work. Craig? Yeah, this was nothing like you'd sort of normally expect from... Uh, North American women's wrestling is it the the impact that the the Japanese performers had in this is massive. Just the sort of move set that that they brought to the table compared to the the sort of traditional style that we see uh, on pay per views featuring WWF uh, women wrestlers. I thought this was uh, this was very good. I mean, typically it didn't get all that much time, uh, so it kind of suffered as a, as a result because of the sort of quick fire eliminations. But I guess that sort of more a reflection on Vince McMahon's thoughts on women's wrestling rather than the, the ability of those those in the match. Yeah, um, yeah. As, as we kind of covered, six, six women here who uh, haven't been exposed to um, WWF television before, which you know show from the, from the crowd reaction. I think that's that's certain to say. Trying to get in seven eliminations in how long this match was. It kind of been more than seven or eight minutes. You know, it felt a bit rushed. There were also, I think, more than one kind of. Um, Incorrect pin. There were a couple of eliminations that weren't supposed to be. The ref, the ref counted three, I think, on, I think it was Hasegawa and then I want to say Inui, I think, were the two that weren't exactly planned as, went as they, 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 they were planned. But I, I think the, the bit with the three on one set out quite nicely. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of comes back to what I said earlier in that this is, yeah, the action wasn't, the action was good. The crowd weren't really into it, but it's like, you wanted to get out of here setting up Arja Kong for a, a match with Alondra Blaze. So Blaze gets in a three-on-one situation, eliminates Arja Kong's two teammates, and then Kong pins it. It's, it's, it's booking 101, I would say. I mean, Craig, uh, but I, I think, Craig, if they're going to do this more often, they're going to have to give a bit more exposure to the women, because, I mean, I, I, I'm watching all these rules, and it's not even, not even the Japanese women. We, we barely even see Alondra Blaze. No, that's it. That's it, exactly. There's, there's just sort of, not on not on uh, TV. Then they get ten minutes in a pay per view, and people in the back are probably wondering why the fans don't really care about uh, women's wrestling. That's the sort of the answer right there. And I can't envisage uh, Alandra Blaze after the the type of women she's been wrestling in recent years uh, will be that 
enamoured by the prospect of beating off against Asher Kong, who has a significantly stiffer style than she's certainly going to be used to. Oh, indeed, indeed. Uh, Todd Pettengill is in the crowd with fake Bill Clinton. He claims he's been watching Bam Bam Bigelow quotes since he was a little boy. Bam Bam's pyro goes off mid-ring and Clinton's security take him down, assuming he's been shot. Uh, he's obviously fine. Uh, Goldust entrance takes so long that his theme song restarts. It's Bam Bam Bigelow against Goldust. Bam Bam goes for a big right, but Goldust slides out of the ring and takes a deep breath in. Goldust slaps Bam Bam. Bam Bam levels in with the right hand. Goldust goes for a big right on the outside, but Bam Bam ducks and hits the ring post hard. Back in the ring, Goldust hits a big clothesline over the top to the outside. After a flurry of offence, uh, Goldust, uh, Bam Bam then rallies with a back suplex, but goes for a standing headbutt. Goldust moves out of the way. Goldust gets back to work. Bigelow rallies out of a camel clutch type move into an impressive electric chair drop. Bam Bam rallies with some rights, and Goldust barely kicks out. Bam misses a running headbutt. Goldust bounces off the far ropes into a running bulldog and wins the match. They're calling this an upset on commentary. Craig? Not not really sort of uh, much in this for me, to be honest. Uh, I'm not really sold by the by the Goldust character. There doesn't seem to be too much about it other than him being a little bit a little bit weird. Uh, and we, we've discussed previously the sort of uh, dwindling importance in the eyes of the WWF of Bam Bam Bigelow, this sort of reeked of Bam Bam Bigelow's finale to me. Kieran? This is like easily like the the lowest point of the card for me. Um, mainly a couple of reasons. The gold dust entrance. Good God. When when I know when an entrance is too long is when I'm A, looking at my clock, you know, looking at the time, and then B, when the theme music starts around for the second time. He just seemed to take an age to get down to the ring, and then when they started... I, well, before that, I didn't even like Bam Bam's entrance, because I hated seeing him as a face. When you got somebody that looks like Bam Bam, and he's clapping along to his music with the crowd. Oh, God, like, it looks awful, doesn't it? Oh, he looks so... He, lo- he looks so uncomfortable. Oh, it... Do you know what it was? It actually made me cringe. It was, I was just like, I was just like, what an absolute, and we'll get on to Bam Bam later, but what a waste that is. And like I said, there wasn't much in the match. It was kind of, it took ages to beat Bam Bam down and it was just, yeah, easily the lowest point, Bob, easily. Bam comes across as a big teddy bear, which really isn't like. Oh God! It's really not the connotations you want from from a guy of that size and a guy of that. He's got flames on his head. Come on. Yeah, yeah, oh. right. It really shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, um, it's it's an incredibly demotivated Bam Bam Bigelow uh, up against Dustin Rhodes, who, if I'm being polite, is still feeling out a new character. If I'm if I'm in the interest of, of protecting him and not not kind of calling this out for how you know weak it all is, but yeah, this was just like again, Craig, you talk about Bam Bam going like it. Like, if he doesn't care this much, I'd rather he left, you know, and it's, uh, it's an incredible fall from a guy who, what, seven months ago was, was headlining WrestleMania, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of touch on that in the second half of the show. Um, but yeah, this match didn't work. Um, it's, like, there's, the, the, the Goldust character hasn't been fleshed out enough, and it's so different to anything normal that I think the crowd are still trying to work out what to think of it. Um, and yeah, Bam Bam just doesn't care, and the action's not great either. That's, that's, uh, that's the kicker. Bob Backlund joins Bill Clinton in the presidential box. Backlund demands to be addressed as Mr. Backlund. Clinton urges Backlund to throw his hat into the presidential ring. 
Next up, it's the royal team of Jerry Lawler, Isaac Yankum, King Mabel and Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus the dark side of Savio Vega, Fatu, Henry O'Godwin and The Undertaker with Paul Bearer. The crowd pops big for the introduction of The Undertaker. Undertaker is wearing a white mask covering the upper half of his face. Craig, he, he looked scary here. He does, it's very creepy. Um, it's very creepy indeed. I, I would keep this mask, because, um, yeah, like... It's Phantom of the Opera. It is. It, yes, it, yes. It, it, it works. So for, for, for those who didn't hear last month's show, Undertaker's got a broken orbital bone, um, which is a bone in his eye. Um, so, yeah, he's wearing the uh, the mask to protect his face. Uh, Mabel, is, uh, Mabel looks petrified, and rightly so. He's sporting a mohawk. Undertaker is sizing up his teammates. Fatu shakes hands with Vega and Godwin, but thinks better of it with Taker. Fatu and Helsley get things going. Hunter sets up for the pedigree, but Fatu fights out of it. Helmsley wants a piece of The Undertaker. Lawler tags in. He's wearing a fascinating gold singlet. Lawler immediately tags back out. Godwin hits Yankin with a hip toss, a body slam, then a running elbow. Helmsley tags in and hits some uppercuts, and the crowd start a large Burger King chant. Godwin holds Hunter over his head, shakes the throw into the outside, but the ref stops him. Both men tag, and it's Lawler against Vega. Lawler mocks Vega's dancing. Vega levels in with the right. Lawler fires Fatu into Yankum's knee. Yankum tags in. Yankum slingshots Mabel towards Fatu. Fatu moves and Mabel eats some turnbuckle. Vega fires Fatu, uh, Vega fires off the ropes and runs into a big slam by Mabel. Mabel goes for a lovely double arm suplex, sending Vega flying across the ring. Hunter rounds Vega into Mabel before tagging in Lawler. Still no eliminations thus far. Lawler hits a big pile driver on Vega. Stalls and Vega manages to kick out. Vega starts flaying at all comers in the heel corner before slamming Undertaker. Lawler hits another pardo, but Vega pops up and tags in Undertaker. King wants to tag anyone, but the heels retreat. Undertaker holds up Lawler before dropping him. Still nobody wants to tag. Lawler walks into a tombstone and is eliminated by the Undertaker. Yankin goes for a right arm, but Undertaker ducks, fires off the fire ropes, and it's a lovely flying tackle. Undertaker tombstones Yankin, and it's four on two. Helmsley comes into the ring before retreating. He goes up the RA but gets stopped by Goldwyn carrying a slot bucket. Undertaker chokes arms Hunter from the apron into the ring and we're down to one. Mabel hits a big belly to belly on Undertaker who spark out. Mabel drops a leg but when Mabel starts mocking Vega's dancing, Undertaker sits up. Sits up, sorry. Mabel legs it incredibly quickly up the R way. He gets counted out. Undertaker chokes arms mode for good manager and the uh, the dark side win four to nothing. Kieran. Um, I kind of understood why they did it. It was to me it was quite a boring match, um, but I I kind of understood why they did it. So I'm not going to be too hard because obviously if Undertaker's been gone for I mean how long was he gone off TV? Oh, not that long. Uh, four oh. or five weeks. I mean, okay. I mean, I mean, and uh, technically he hasn't wrestled since, uh, SummerSlam, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but he, 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 he was on the In Your House 3 card, just not on the show. He did one of the dark matches, I think. Then he got injured. Oh, uh, okay. But I, I kind of see this match as a way of, they've got a sort of building back up, and they probably thought, um, maybe with what's going on with the roster at the minute, they have to do it quite quickly. This, obviously, is a perfect way to make one guy look really strong. So I'm not going to be too hard on this match because I can, it, it, like with some of the other previous matches we've just talked about, it kind of did its job and got Undertaker over. Mabel scared of him runs off and then he just, you know, he just completely dis- decimates the other team. So um, while it wasn't the best match in the world, um, I thought it was pretty decent. Craig? 
Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Kieran. It's certainly uh, pretty boring, uh, but and, and the weakest of the three Survivor Series matches on this show. But it's, it serves a very solid purpose in terms of uh, storyline development and makes the Undertaker look incredibly strong. Yeah, it, 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 it's the diesel build from, from last year's Survivor Series, isn't it? It's ten minutes of, of no eliminations. You tag in the guy you want to get over. He cleans house, and the match ends. Um, you know, you, you're, you're right to call out the early action being slow, but when you look at when you look at the guys involved in the match, it wasn't going to be any different. You know, Lawler, Yank, and Mabel, Hunter Hearst, Helmsley, Savio Vega, Fatu, and Henry O. Godwin. You know, don't hold your breath for any you know exciting action on that front. Um, and so, you know. Once, well, the, the, as you say, it was job done. This is the kind of match where they set out to achieve one goal, which was to make the Undertaker look strong, and they did. We get promos from Brett, who's not focusing on Bulldog in your house five yet. Brett says he's worried about the upcoming match. He compares himself to Wayne Gretzky. Says he has to ask himself if he's still the best. Tonight, he will find out. Diesel says he agrees a long match favours Brett, but he's here to do a high, high impact power moves and do it quickly. We're backstage with Jim Cornette, who's here with the Bulldog on this side of the wildcard match. Cornette denies ever being interviewed earlier. We're here with Sid, Sean and Ahmed Johnson. And we move on, and I've ooh, just seen the length of my match review for this. Uh, take a deep breath in. It's Yokozuna, Owen Hart, Dean Douglas and Razor Ramon, Mr. Fuji versus Sid, Bulldog, Sean Michaels and Ahmed Johnson with Jim Cornette and Ted DiBiase. The crowd go nuts for Sean, particularly the free males. Both teams uh, attempt to assemble the strategy. We're starting with Sean and Owen. The pace is fast. Michaels does his rumble spot and manages to head his Owen over the top. Michaels grabs Cornette's tennis racket and nails him with it. Back in the ring, Owen fires Sean off of the ropes, hits a belly to belly. Douglas suplexes Michaels. Michaels fires him off of opposing turnbuckles and hits a forearm. Douglas goes to the second rope for a Vader bomb, but Michaels moves. Michaels hits a moonsault, but Owen pulls Michaels off the pin. In comes Ahmed Johnson, who hits a couple of scissor kicks for attempting to body slam Yokozuna, but failing. Douglas puts Johnson in a rest hold, then goes members of the opposing team. With the referee distracted, Douglas holds up Johnson in the corner, and Razor takes the opportunity to get a couple of illegal strikes in. Johnson power slams Douglas before throwing Michaels into Douglas for a two count. Razor attempts to help Douglas on the outside, but Douglas lays in a strike. Douglas rolls up Sean, but Sean kicks himself off. Razor nails teammate Douglas with the right hand. Sean rolls him up for the first elimination. It's brothers-in-law, Owen and Bulldog, up next. They go to shake hands, then both hit each other with rights. Owen hits a spinning back kick. Bulldog tags Sean. Owen tags Razor. JR says, quote, I don't think they can wrestle each other without a ladder. Razor motions towards the sky. There's no title up there, gents. Razor levels Michaels but gets thrown to the outside. He returns and levels him again, but Sean takes him down with an elbow. Sean ducks as Razor charges him. Razor stops and attempts to raise his edge, which he hits, but Ahmed Johnson breaks it up. Razor and Sean butt heads in the middle of the ring and they're both down. Sean jumps and tags in Sid. Sid battles Razor before they both hit the mat with a double clothesline. Razor sends Sid off the top for a near fall. Sid hits Razor with a one-arm clothesline and signals for the powerbomb, but tags in Sean instead. Michael shapes for a switch in music, but Razor ducks and Sean nails Sid. Sean looks nonplussed. Bulldog jumps in, attempts to break up the pin, but misses and Razor eliminates Sid. Sid powerbombs Michaels for good measure. It's three on three. Razor eventually goes to pin Sean, who kicks out. Owen hits a back body drop onto Michaels. Owen tags in Yokozuna, who fires Michaels into the turnbuckle. Yoko locks in a long nerve hold. 
Owen goes for a big diving headbutt, but Sean moves. Johnson tags in and unloads on Owen, Razor and Yoko. Johnson hits the Tiger Bolt on Owen and eliminates him. Razor bulldogs Johnson, then lays into Sean and Bulldog. Johnson hits a spine buster. Ahmed poses on the first rope. Razor takes advantage and hits a Razor's edge, but Bulldog breaks it up and starts laying into Razor. Out walk, DBRC, Sid and the Kid. Razor hits a fallaway slam on Bulldog for a two. Kid distracts Razor. Bulldog hits a running power slam and it's three on one. Sean starts rocking Yokozuna, whose flailing arms make for quite the visual. Yoko then lays out Sean and drops the leg. Yoko sets for a bonsai drop, but Sean moves. Johnson tags in and just about hits a body slam on Yokozuna. Border breaks up the pin before getting thrown over the top. Michael super kicks Yokozuna. Armour Johnson hits a big splash for the win. And Border and Cornet celebrate, which annoys the faces. I'll take a deep breath in. Craig. Uh, I think this match certainly uh, improved greatly by the, the sort of heel face stuff. I don't think it'd be anywhere uh, near as good if it wasn't for that. But yeah, no, I thought this was uh, this was fine. Maybe a sort of six out of ten sort of caliber match. Yeah, it was it was it was good enough. Okay. Yeah, again, I, I I love the fact that there's mixtures of faces and heels on both teams. Um, it was a bit unbalanced, probably because Razor was the only was he the only face on his team? I can't think now. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah, so it was, but it was quite good. The action was quite good. Is when he's trying to break up the pins of the faces on the other team. So, um, I mean, obviously we don't know how it would have gone if it was just a straight match. It probably that action probably wouldn't have been as good. And it was the fact that it was like the wild card match which sort of um, put it over. And I thought this was probably the probably the. I think I enjoyed this out of all the elimination match type matches. I think I enjoyed this one the most. I really, I really like this match. Uh, the action was good. It was uh, an interesting dynamic to see, you know, heels and faces mixed up on either side. It was kind of quite nice at points to see Razor kind of almost being a heel just because he was like, well, yeah, look, the guys in the corner, I might as well attack him, even if the referee's back his turn. Um, but I kind of found this match quite hard to follow. It's like when you've got two teams that are just jumbled together... And yet you've also got heels on some sides and faces on the other. It's like, I keep having to consult the initial match back to kind of compute what happened. You know, you've got Razor interfering, you know, kind of lays out Douglas because you remember oh, Douglas is on Sean's side. In fact, he's not. Douglas is on Razor's side and, you know, Sean picks up the win and you've got the bit later on with Sid, you know, powerbombing Sean, even though they're on the same kind of side. It wasn't an easy match to follow, and it it was one of those things, like, Craig, it just about works, I think, because there was so much, not almost a star power, but so many known names in the match, but it it barely worked. Yeah, I'd I'd probably agree with that. I I think, I I gave it a six, so it's it's just above pass marks, but I think a lot of that is to do with uh, the the novelty factor, and uh, we've not mentioned it yet, but seeing the... the British Bulldog celebrate with his teammates afterwards was quite funny as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think just sort of, just for it to be a little bit different, uh, sort of just changing things up a little bit made this made this quite interesting. But as we alluded to in the news section, there was no sort of uh, further storyline aspect to this because we don't know what the further, uh, well, the WWF didn't know what the further storyline was to be because Bill Watts had left. 
Yeah, like this is probably my other criticism. There was nothing on this match going in, and there was nothing on this match going out. Like there was no reason for these teams to be teaming alongside each other because they didn't bother to explain it because they didn't know why. And there was nothing riding on this match. Like I I don't know what you could have done, but like you know, if you want to get really creative, maybe the survivor or survivors could have faced off against Brett uh, uh, in your house five. I know they they kind of promised Bulldog that spot, but that's the way you could have like created a bit of extra intrigue on the match. It it just it, it didn't click. It didn't. It just, I say like the action was good. You know, there's some good names in there. There's some good individual moments. There's, you know, when Owens in the match, it got it got really good. Uh, I'm a big fan of Yokozuna. Him and Sean is, is is a singles match waiting to happen, I think. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't know. Um, Kieran, one further thing we haven't really touched on yet is Ahmed Johnson. Um, it seems like they're giving him a big push. I mean, they, they, they brought him in. He's been pretty dominant. He's a guy of big size. Um, I think not only him being a survivor on the winning team, but him picking up the, uh, picking up the victory uh, alongside Shawn Michaels, of all people, I think says something. Yeah, I, I, you can sort of see how they're going to position him for something like really big. Um, I mean, he's just got, he's already got sort of that side that he's sort of like the type for want of a better word, that Vince McMahon likes to push. Um, I'm still not... I'm still not completely sold. I, I I like all his high-impact stuff, but is there anything other beyond that? And then there's also... Um, I'd like to see more promos from him, um, but I wouldn't be adverse to sort of keeping him as just like this silent ass kicker type character. I think that would really work as well. Um, and then who they're going to put him up against, but... I can see he's got a big future. I think he's going to have a really good future. Yeah, well, he's, uh, as we'll hear in a bit, he's being uh, moving to a program with Dean Douglas for people. Craig, same question on on, on uh, Johnson? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as has been mentioned, the, the, the size aspect uh, is certainly going to get him noticed. But his, his attack is sort of uh, quite different, quite a sort of different kind of different move set in places. He's got a savage looking uh, attack as well. Some of the sort of moves, especially the sort of like, I don't know, some, I think just some of the mannerisms remind me a little bit of uh, the, the barbarian solo run in the WWF at the start of the 90s. Mm. Uh, I sort of thought he was a little bit different to the, to the usual around him, but that never went anywhere. So I'm sure uh, Johnson's hoping that that's where the similarity ends. President Clinton is being fed popcorn by Alondra Blaze, who already put some popcorn down her cleavage, some porn innuendo later, and the segment ends. We cut to That's video sun- preview. Go on, Craig. It's sunny. Was it sunny? What did I say? Alondra Blaze. Oh. Oh, I might have to do it. I thought it was a lot well, but my mistake. Yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense now. Now you, now you kind of think of it. It did, it did seem odd that I thought that was Alondra Blaze. <laughs> Bill Clinton's having sunny days. Ah, hey. there we go. There we go. <laughs> and Craig, what do you think of these segments? I mean, we, we, we've had the, I think it was WrestleMania 10 where we had the, the, the fake Bill Clinton. Um, I, I don't know. Like, uh, what's the point? I, I think you've just answered the question. I've not really got, <laughs> really got much else to add to that. It just doesn't. The, the, the one with Bob back on earlier on, uh, had a joke about government employees that Vince McMahon then had to explain. So you're like, well, if Vince McMahon's having to then explain the joke, it's clearly not yeah. a great joke, so what is the point of all of this? Oh, God. Kieran? A joke doesn't really... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, see, you, 
you go, you go to all that trouble of getting this Bill Clinton look like you set them all up with a script and all of this, and then you have to explain the joke anyway. Just like just don't, just don't bother, just don't bother. Give give a match, you know. Give make the women's match another. Well, I mean, no, no, none of these segments are that long. You got to have a bit of a gap. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's this or Doc Hendricks and Pettengill backstage, right, you know. So yeah, you, you, you win, you win yep. some, you lose some. Um, but yeah, Pettengill sounded more appealing than. Todd Bettengill and uh, Doc Hendricks. Well, yeah, I suppose. Anyway, yeah, so you are correct. It, it was sunny, not Alondra Blaze. Uh, we cut to video preview with some comments from Diesel and Brett from Raw. Uh, we might as well discuss that bit now, actually. We, we heard the uh, entirety of, of that promo kind of splice between the TV review uh, uh, before we start reviewing the, uh, the, the show itself. Craig, um, you've you seen this clip. What, what do you think of it? I thought it was good. It, it's a sort of uh, very different to wrestlers standing with Todd Pettengill or Doc Hendricks and saying, going through the usual sound bites of I'm the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be, yada yada. They, it sort of, it, it sort of opened them up. I'll, they were both opened up a wee bit more in the, the interview. They, they refer to sort of having respect for each other. Uh, they, they, they admit to weaknesses as well. Diesel says he doesn't particularly want to face a technical wrestler, while Sprett admits that it'll be hard to wear him down. There's just a sort of honesty that, that you don't normally see that sort of makes it feel a little bit more like a, a proper sports interview. And frankly, it's, it's more welcome than them going through the motions with a sort of sound, cliched sound bites of a wrestling interview or a contract signing that descends into a brawl when one of them pushes the table into the other. Yeah, I really liked it as well. Um, if memory serves, I'm sure that Bam Bam and Lawrence Taylor did something similar. Yeah, they did in February, and, I think. Yeah. And I remember really liking that. And I think the, the way they do these ones... Um, just to expand what Craig was saying, was it feels more, they feel more like the real person, quote unquote, it's kind of a bad way, but you know, it makes it more, it humanises them a bit more. And when they're just sat there, it doesn't feel like it's pre-prepared. Obviously they probably know the way the interview's gonna go, obviously, but it just doesn't feel as scripted, it feels more natural, especially on Brett's side, because I think one criticism I have of Brett, is his promos always feel like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and then I'm going to win and I'm good. Whereas this, it made it made Brett just seem a bit more like, oh, okay, Brett, you, you, you seem a bit more, you know, just a bit more of what Brett actually is rather than just the Hitman character. And the same goes for Diesel again. He sort of alludes to, like Craig says, his weaknesses, and you don't you don't normally get that in sort of like a pre-match promo or a promo that's on a Raw. So... I actually really, I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I mean, you know, not, not that they often do babyface versus babyface matches. I mean, they, you know, the, the, this is the main example when they did it in January, but I, I can't often recall a, a WWF babyface versus babyface match where it's been so much of a, rather than you'll get some matches where they might kind of lean more towards one or the other or other occasions where they're like, uh, you know, we'll we'll just let the fans cheer both equally. This this seems to be built up as a we're going to present you two guys, pick what you, pick who you like. That was it. They they had very contrasting kind of opinions, and and while they were both good guys, they were both very you know, um, critical of each other. I think in in, in many ways, um, yeah, you you can't do this that often. I think it would get quite. Um, 
routine if you start mm. having these sit down type interviews every month but I, I think the the program needed it the few needed it and given that these two have faced off twice in the last 18 months I, it made a lot of sense um and we move to the main event it's Bret Hart against Diesel for the WWF championship as the bell rings Diesel's first move is to remove the turnbuckle pad Bret turns around and removes his own it's no DQ no count out we start with the pair exchanging blows in the corner. The action spills to the outside. Diesel drops Brett onto the guardrail. Diesel then chokes him against it. Back in the ring, they're exchanging rights, but Diesel is on top. Diesel then slams Hart into the ring steps. Diesel grabs a chair and leathers it into Brett's back. Diesel shakes for a jackknife, but Brett blocks it. Brett bites Diesel's arm, then his forehead. Brett's channeling the Hulk Hogan school of being a babyface. Brett jumps onto Diesel's shoulders and works his eye. Brett then works on Diesel's leg before going for a figure four leg lock. Diesel struggles but makes it to the ropes. As it's an ODQ, Brett doesn't have to let go but eventually does. Brett goes for a sharpshooter but Diesel pokes him in the eye. Brett goes for a game but Diesel kicks him off and Brett hits his head into the exposed turnbuckle. Diesel goes to the corner but Brett slides out, pulls Diesel into the turnbuckle and slams his leg into the post twice. Brett gets an electrical cord and ties it to the post, then ties the other end around Diesel's leg. Brett knocks Diesel off his feet and grabs a chair. Diesel manages to knock him off his feet. Brett stands on Diesel's hand and leathers him with the chair before driving it into his leg once, twice and a third time. Brett climbs to the top. Diesel knocks him off and crotches him before sending him flying across the ring. Diesel finally gets himself free. Diesel hits a sidewalk slam for a two count. Diesel slams Brett into the exposed turnbuckle. With Brett hunched over the second rope, Diesel jumps on his shoulders. Diesel picks up Brett, walks him slowly over to the corner and drops him onto a padded turnbuckle. He then goes to do the same on the exposed one. Brett slits off and drives Diesel's forehead into it. Brett sends Diesel over the top to the outside. Brett goes for a tackle to the outside, but Diesel moves out of the way. Brett climbs on the apron. Diesel charges at him and sends Brett flying through the Spanish announce table. Diesel continues the attack on the outside and Diesel sends him back into the ring. Diesel signals for the jackknife, but Brett can't hold up his own weight. Diesel attempts to pick him off for a second time. Brett is playing possum. He hits an inside cradle, rolls him up, and wins the match. Diesel sits up, mouths motherfucker as Brett's music plays out. Diesel levels some referees and hits two jackknife powerbombs on Brett. Diesel gets a chorus of boos as he signals to the crowd. Kieran? Uh, this was just... This was so good. It It speaks to everything that's good about both wrestlers brett does an absolutely amazing job of selling all of the power stuff from diesel i mean diesel just looks like an absolute beast in this match apps he's look i think this is the the best he's looked that i that i've personally seen this is the best that diesel's looked in a match and like i said that's a lot to do with what diesel's doing but more so to do with what brett's selling the the power moves um Brett then does what he does best, you know, he's obviously going, he's setting up for the sharpshooter, so you get that set up of where he's tying his, the boot to the post, um, that was all really good, um, everything f- felt really stiff, they were really laying into each other at points, um, like I said, overall, they just both, they wrestled such a smart match, great, um, great spot into the table as well, and there I thought, well, Diesel's, you know, they're setting up Diesel to win, and then for Brett to actually go over at the end, I thought was like the perfect result as well. So overall, I, fabulous match and easily the match of the pay-per-view. Craig? 
Uh, yeah, uh, certainly the, the the best match of the of the evening. It's it's so obvious that that Diesel, uh, with his uh, very obvious limitations, uh, works best when he's, I guess, for want of a better phrase, throwing someone around for a lot of the a lot of the match. Uh, I mean, the the idea that he was ever going to get a sort of five star classic out of Mabel is ridiculously far fetched. But when he was taking on people like Hart and Shawn Michaels. Someone that could get a little bit of sympathy off being manhandled by him. It, it, the, the matches tended to work, and uh, as Kieran alludes to, the, yeah, this is a this is a great match. It's a little bit plodding uh, at the at the start. If I really am picking flaws in the in the match, but yeah, no, Diesel looks like a monster, uh, and yeah, uh, it's very good. Uh, I think it'd have been even better if uh, Hart hadn't spent much of the the, the previous what maybe six or seven months languishing. Uh, in the mid card, taking on various staffers of Jerry the King Lawler, but uh, yeah, no, th- this was a uh, very good, probably a good eight out of ten match, I would say. Yeah, I probably have a hard time explaining why I didn't like it as much as I did, in the sense that I think, you know, objectively, this is quite a good match in, in the match they laid out. Um, but yeah, Craig, I- I'd agree. I think it was a little slow. Um, admittedly, the, 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 the bit with the, the, the cord bit, well, clever, I kind of thought it knocked the edge off the match in that it kind of slowed it right down. Um, but I, I think give Dees a lot of credit for, for really doing a good sales job on, on the leg attack. I mean, you know, we've, we've seen before with guys like Shawn Michaels who will, who will take a beat into the leg and then all of a sudden they're starting, you know, throwing themselves off ladders doing moonsaults. It kind of takes yeah. you out the moment a bit. Mm. Um, I thought Diesel did a really good job of once, once he regained his spot back in the match of really setting that leg and really saying the fact he'd slowed down, which I guess was, was the story. Again, like I, Kieran, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't click with me. Like I could sit here and tell you why it was a good match, yeah. and yet I don't think I enjoyed it that much. To- totally, I totally understand where you're coming from, uh, Bob. Because you've gone. If if you look at the card overall, you've gone from you know some really like fast paced matches, especially the match before, um, and then this probably does seem quite slow. But I, I can totally understand where you're coming from. But I just thought that they booked it in a way that sort of I think it's that old cliche of where you sort of hide the what what's that what's that phrase you say, Bob? You know uh, where the ECWC accent- you accentuate the positives, you hide the negatives, that kind of thing. That's the that's the fella, that thing. They sort of did that perfectly because I think, you know, Brett does all the selling for the power moves. Maybe the setting up of the leg, you know, injuring Diesel's leg maybe went a bit too long. I understand where you're coming from where with the pacing totally, but I just I just really enjoyed the whole setup of the match. Yeah, I, I guess I would have liked to have seen more of the power from Diesel. It, if the story was Diesel's going to try and win it in the first five, ten minutes, then have Diesel try and win it in the first five or ten minutes. You know, put right. Brett in a lot of danger. They didn't really do that. It's not like Diesel spent the first ten minutes kicking Brett's ass and Brett barely clung on. It, it, we, we got, the, the match didn't really have that opening build. We just dropped into this lull quite quickly. And then, like, I think from then on it probably worked, but it was like, if the story was Diesel's only going to win this in the first ten minutes, then why, like, tell that story. Like, you know, I'm not saying have him win, I'm just saying tell, get to us to a point where you think, oh, Diesel's about to win this, because he's got to. Have Brett kick out of the jackknife, maybe, I don't know. Or have Uh, the, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Or maybe, maybe have the table spot earlier. Don't sort of having maybe come out of a jackknife or maybe do that, but maybe what they could have done is have the table spot earlier. So, you know, Diesel's getting desperate 
realizes yeah. he doesn't fancy going up against a technical wrestler, have you know have him throw um, or send Brett through the table earlier in the match um, to get like Brett really really beat up, and then have Brett come back from that. Craig. Uh, yeah, uh, sort of difficult to really sort of disagree with with any of the, the the points that have been made. I mean, I mean, for for me, the 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 the, the pace was the was the big issue at, at the start. But I guess that's just diesel, and the matches for me is quite close to flawless. It's not perfect, but it's it's all right. And the the reasons that it's not completely flawless are uh, diesel's very obvious limitations. It's not really much I can really add to, to what you guys have just said. Craig, what, what do you think of the finish? Uh, uh, I'm, I, I'm not terribly enamoured by the, the, the roll-up, which didn't make Hart look particularly strong, and then he was subsequently destroyed post-match, so I'm not a massive fan of, uh, of that, but in terms of how Hart's going to to win it would seem a bit of a burial if they if they they uh, just went through his traditional five moves of doom before finishing off Diesel. So sort of sneak attack sort of plays quite well considering the the whole dynamic of the match was like both of them showed they were faces at times. Both of them showed there was an element of heel. So it kind of left everything a little bit up in the air for me. The the finish so kind of. Gives them wriggle room. The WWF gives them a little bit of wriggle room for for moving on after this. Yeah, um, you know, I think the actual finish was quite clever, but I agree it didn't kind of. It wasn't the strongest start to to, to Brett's new reign, and it kind of it didn't. We, we've had Diesel and Brett three times in eighteen months. I mean, I'm guessing they'll rematch them at the Rumble. That probably makes sense. And given that you can, you can maybe finish with the Rumble match if you want to. It doesn't have to be that big of a draw, I suppose. But yeah, um, but I, 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 I quite like Brett playing possum. I thought that was as well. Kieran, Kieran, your thoughts on the finish? Yeah, I, I didn't mind it because, um, like I said, throughout the match they were kind of, and the crowd didn't seem really bothered um, either, which was a big. Um, sort of signalers to whether they were doing the quote-unquote right thing or not, but just the way that they were both wrestling, you know, they were like Craig said, they, they were doing quite face things. They were sort of like darting between heel and face. So I actually didn't mind it because what I what I would have hated, um, being as how they're going to move forward, would be um, you know him having to do a submission and Diesel having to tap out. So if I was going to consider possibly all the finishes they could have done, I'll, I'll take I'll take this. If Brett's got to be the winner then and take the belt, then I'm not too disappointed with the finish. Craig, your overall thoughts on this show and a score rating out of ten? Yeah, uh, I, I liked it. Uh, the, I, I loved the the first match. Uh, as Kieran said earlier on, it might be because of low expectations, but I just thought it was a, a good. Uh, Good opening uh, match to start off any show. A little bit of storyline development there as well. I'd have quite liked to have seen the the women's match get a little bit more time, but uh, it was uh, it was what it was. There was some uh, good stuff in there, and it obviously uh, storyline wise sets up something uh, coming up next way between Azure Kong and Bertha Faye. So that one gets uh, a strong mark as well. Cock and Blaze, you mean? 
What did I say? Faye, we, 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 we've both made an error on Laundry Blows tonight. Yeah, it, we, we've both not paid too close attention to, to women's wrestling. <laughs> uh, I feel like my mistake is more understandable. I, I, I feel like Blaze and, uh, and Sunny look fairly similar. But go on, carry on. Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're probably right. Let, let, let's just move on, shall yes. we? Uh, Goldust Bam Bam was, uh, was the weakest point, but we, we, we've covered that. The, the, Lawler's team against Undertaker uh, again served a strong storyline purpose because Undertaker came out looking pretty awesome and he could sort of do with moving on, although quite soon afterwards he seemed to be cast into a feud with Kama Mustafa over an urn, which doesn't bode well for his long-term future, but we're not talking uh, two weeks ahead on Raw, we're talking about this show, so that match again gets a positive mark. We've got the the wildcard match, which was... uh, Laden with star power and quirky and a pretty solid main event. I'm, I, I think this is the, as I said at the start, a, a pretty, pretty strong card, particularly when, uh, sat next to other WWF shows around this point. A lot of storyline advancement coming from this. Uh, really the only one that didn't have it was the one that was packed full of the stars, but I would probably say a, a safe, safe seven, uh, maybe seven and a half, uh, out of push. Yeah. Same really. Um, it kind of there's a couple of matches in there which I really didn't like. I mean, I hated the the Bam Bam Gold Dust. Um, I think the women's match could maybe got a bit more time. Really enjoyed the first match. Really enjoyed the wild card match. The Taker one did its job. Um, um, that first, sorry, that first match as well. There was you know there's a bit of setup. That's what I like to see. Give me a good match, but also give me something to get my teeth into that will make me want to carry on watching past the pay per view. And a really, really solid main event. So I'll go 7 out of 10. Yeah, it's it's very weird to come out of a, a WWF show this year and not to have something, like, really objectionable or really awful to discuss. Um, and I think this show, we, we come out of it and we say, look, this is probably the least objectionable WWF pay-per-view of 1995. That's not to say it was awful, that's not to say it was brilliant, it was just the, perhaps the safest. The action yeah. was good, you're going to see a good show from start to finish, with probably the exception of Goldust and Bam Bam. Even that's not bad, it's just Bam Bam going through the motions which undercuts it a bit. Um, and yeah, like I, I don't think it ever got above good. Um, but it never got below average, and that's that's a very rare comment for any wrestling show this year, be it WWF or WCW. I gave it a six and a half out of ten. I, th- I think in terms of the of the show as well, uh, in, from a Survivor Series elimination uh, tag match point of view, if you were to compile a, a top five uh, elimination match from uh, the uh, initial one in '87 through to this one in '95, I think the the underdogs match at the start and the uh, the faces and heels mixed up together, both of those matches would make that top five. I'm struggling to think of many matches mm. uh, in that time period of certainly in the Survivor Series aspect. Of I, know, I can only comment on the ones I've seen, but I, I still think that the the one that involved Diesel last year was phenomenal in many respects. I mean, right, maybe more so for a bit like The Undertaker thing, more so for who they got over rather than the action involved, but I thought that was pretty good. But yeah, like once we get behind kind of 93, I'm flagging a bit, so... Uh, We've got two really, really strong Survivor Series matches at the Survivor Series, so yeah...
Razor Ramon phones in during a 1-2-3 Kid vs. Akushi match, opening up Raw on November 20th. Marty Jannetty runs out shortly after, but, after, uh, but the referees hold him back. Late in the match, Ted DiBiase shells Akushi off of the top rope, and the Kid wins with a spinning kick. During a post-match promo, DiBiase goes Jannetty, who walks back out on the R-way. Sid comes out, rambles some crap on the mic, and he and Kid start attacking Marty. Throughout the show, they're teasing comments from Diesel. We see him backstage at one stage chatting with Shawn Michaels. Diesel then walks out to ringside during a match between Skip and Savio Vega, levels Skip, then demands a microphone. He said he thought he'd apologise for what he did to Brett and what he did to the fans, but then again, maybe not. He said he slept like a baby, and this morning he saw himself smile for the first time in a year. He saw himself not some corporate puppet that Vince McMahon decided to create. Big Daddy Cool is back. The guy from the 1994 Royal Rumble is back. The main event is Owen Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Michaels sends Owen flying to the outside and starts celebrating in the ring. Then he collapses. Al Hedner starts kicking him as you would do to check a flat tyre. Vincent Mann steps out from the commentary booth and when we're back from the commercial we see Shawn being attended to by paramedics. No words are spoken and the show goes off the air with them attempting to get oxygen to him. Ahmed Johnson beats Rad Radford in the opener of the 27th of November Raw. He cuts a promo post-match. Dee Douglas comes out and interrupts it. Vincent Mann is asking whether Shawn Michaels is actually hiding symptoms of post-concussion syndrome following his attack in Syracuse. We get Aja Kong and Tomoko Wanatabe against Alundra Blaze and Kyoko Inui. Surprisingly, Vincent Mann doesn't drown on commentary. The match was surprisingly decent and Kong lays out Inui for the win. We get Brother Love interviewing Bret Hart. This segment is pretty awful. Brother Love does try and convince Bret that he fears The Undertaker. Bret eventually gets a hold of the segment, calls Diesel's actions cheap after the main event of Survivor Series. Bret says his match with Bulldog from SummerSlam 1992 has been on his mind, and Bulldog will find out it's a dog-eat-dog world. Just as the segment seems like it's ending, Bob Backlund comes out of nowhere and locks in the chicken wing on Bret. We're on location with Henry O'Gowen at his farm. He introduces Hunter Hearst Helmsley to his pigs. Vince says they will have a, quote, hog pen match in your house five. Also on pay-per-view, Jim Cornette offers up Owen Hart for an open challenge. Just a shame this show isn't in Canada, eh? Karma comes out for the main event on crutches. Vincent Mann is immediately suspicious. Instead of Karma, DiBiase has paid for So Mo to face The Undertaker. Undertaker disposes of Mo, getting the gold chain that was on his own off of Karma. Then Yokozuna comes out and they square off. Mabel comes out and grabs the chain off of Bearer and legs it up the aisleway as we go off the air for November. Go ahead, King. You know, I want to take just a second to get a word with the man who has taken the World Wrestling Federation by storm, Mr. Ahmed Johnson. Okay, okay, okay. Now, Dean Douglas has told me a little bit about you, Ahmed. He says that when you graduated from kindergarten, you were so excited, you could hardly shave without cutting yourself. <laughs> That's what Dean Douglas said. Oh my <laughs> and Dean Douglas also said that and in your house, he's going to teach you a lesson. Tell you something real quick. First of all, you better give me some respect. You understand that? Oh, I'll take you. I'll hey, you right in the ring. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Second of all, as far as your body thing does this go. Here he comes. Don't get this to me. Get in my face. Oh, 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 wait a minute. One stinking minute there, big man. 
I can see the body chiseled from stone. And you certainly look like you got what it takes to become a superstar here in the World Wrestling Federation. But Jerry the King Lawler, you know this to be the truth. The road to superstardom here in the World Wrestling Federation takes place in my classroom. You wonder who the teacher and who the pupil will be. What do you got to say about that? Well, I tell you what then. Ring the bell. And we will start by discussing, I think, probably the big angle on Raw this month. Uh, the end of the 20th of November show, Shawn Michaels facing off against Owen Hart, that match going up against um, Sting and Hulk Hogan over on uh, on TNT on Nitro. Um, Owen and Shawn wrestled a pretty good match, seven or eight minutes. Uh, Shawn does his rumble spot, throws Owen to the outside, climbs back into the ring, goes to pose, and then collapses. And the next and the remaining kind of six, seven minutes of the show, there is very little commentary. There is no action. It's just Sean being attended to by paramedics, by WWF officials, by Pat Patterson, by Vincent Mann, all things like that. And that's how the show goes off the air. Craig, what do you think of this angle? Uh, it's tasteless, uh, but I, I, it was... I don't know if you can say something's tasteless and then say it was done well, but uh, it, it was done in a very believable fashion. Uh, and, and I think... The, the the whole bit about Vince McMahon diving into the ring, Owen Hart bending down to check on Michaels. Well, let's not the, oversell it here. Vince got into the ring. He didn't fling himself at Sean. He just yeah, well, yeah. He he sort of surprised he didn't, but yeah, uh, yeah. He uh, he came into the ring to check on him, and Owen Hart was hunkered down checking on him. So watching it, uh, you legitimately did believe that that something that something was wrong. So yeah. uh, uh, that's a success if that's the. The point that you want to drive home, Kira. Yeah, the, similar really. The way um, the way Vince reacted. First of all, I was like, "Well, oh, it's like it's like you know they've sold it as like being actually legit." And then you see the way that Vince reacts, and I'm like, mm, "Is it is it a work? Is it shoot? I mean, it is totally not 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 that anyone in our kind of position believed it, but the big giveaway was the fact that we played it." Um, yeah. that's the, that's the general, you know, again, not, not that anyone that know that would be in a situation to think it was real, uh, because if it was, they wouldn't be showing it. Um, but yeah, the, the big giveaway of that was, was the replay. Yeah. The, and then, um, obviously where they're trying to sandwich it in. So I suppose I'm just probably similar along the lines of Craig. I mean, it is tasteless and not really like low class thing to do or, you know, angle to do, but in terms of them trying to like get some, you know, some viewers from, the, uh, you know, possibly maybe watching WCW, then they probably, they probably, it probably did that. It probably shown a bit more, drew a few more eyes to WWF than would normally do. So I suppose it did its job, but I didn't really um, think it was anything great. Yeah, I, 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 I'll give them a lot. It was memorable, uh, which is half the battle when it comes to TV these days. Um, I, I thought that. It, no, I think we, we we say was it believable, and I say that the replay proves otherwise. I think other than that, they did a very convincing job making you think it was real. Certainly, a lot of people that watched it, certainly in the arena, thought it was real. Um, you know, we we go back to the Royal Rumble with the Bam Bam and Lawrence Taylor angle, and the one thing I praised them for there was that they just apologised for it and they moved on. Like you know, you can if you're too over the top about these things, it'll take people up the moment and they'll maybe think, ah, you know, this is a story. Whereas given that they they they, they played it very low key, I think on the whole, 
Um, they did a very good job. My favourite part of it was Earl Hebner, who, Shawn Michaels goes down, and nobody's really sure what to do at this point. Owen's kind of showing him back into the ring. Kicks and, his foot, isn't yeah, it? And, 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 and Hebner, Hebner likes someone's checking a car tyre, just like, just kicks made, it, just kicks him a couple of times. It's like, I made a note and I forgot to say it. That was hilarious. That should send off signals straight away. And Hebner's like checking. That's one way of doing it. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, we, we, you know, they 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 wanted something to to go up against um, to go up against Hogan and Sting. I think Owen and Sean is a match that you know Sean's a big enough guy that I think you promote that people are going to stick around, and the angle stop people from turning the channel. I, I, I would think uh, that will be borne out in the ratings when they come out. Um, but yeah. I, I, I think uh, uh, probably a box tick. Was it a bit insensitive? Yes. You know, ha- ha- faking a guy collapsing on TV. Um, you know, and and there's also the fact the following week on Raw they did say, well, maybe Sean's got post concussion syndrome for his attack in Syracuse. It's like, well, hello, why the hell is he in the ring then? You know, like, <laughs> like don't say that. Like that, that makes you look bad, Vince. Like if, <laughs> like Sean got beaten up by ten guys and you rushed him back to the ring. Don't say that. Like, I know you, I know you want to treat this as real, but like, you know, th- 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 there's different ways of presenting things. They got the bulk of it right, but I thought it was an effective angle, um, and I say a, a good, a good counter to, um, to, to Hogan and Sting on, on Nitro. Um, our final part, which is probably quite a long discussion, which is why I kind of left it at the end. Uh, obviously, this this ends Diesel near year-long title reign, um, and so basically, as as part of discussing it and breaking it down, and I've done a similar thing on the website this month as well. Uh, as a collected trio, we're going to attempt to rebook it in a way, sort of. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, so we'll kind of go chronologically through to discuss uh, Diesel's matches, his feuds, and his, his character, how that's kind of evolved over the last twelve months. And I want to start with. Uh, Diesel's promo from last year. So this is important. This is a clip from last November. Uh, we're going to start with Diesel's first promo after winning the title on Raw, and then we'll, we'll, we'll come to discuss him beating Backlund in a second. All right, let's take you back to the Survivor Series, if we may. An unbelievable stellar performance, single-handedly, almost annihilating everyone else on the other team until Shawn Michaels decides he wants to get into the ring. And, of course, we know what happened after that. I would suggest that was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. We know we had a strategy where everybody was going to go in on the Teamsters. We're going to show what we had as a team. Somehow, when I uh, got in, Sean decided I would stay in. And when I started to run out of gas, or should I say diesel, Sean decided it was time to stay in a little bit longer. I jackknife Razor Ramon now. Shawn Michaels wants the tag. And we all know how much Shawn loves the spotlight, don't we? Oh, yes, we do. We definitely know about that. But uh, he didn't uh, exactly get what he thought he was going to get. As a matter of fact, uh, we last saw him uh, in his automobile getting out of town. Yeah. I got a message to you, Shawn Michaels, wherever you may be. That is, the Survivor Series, you might have got away And I tell you, if I would have got my hands on you that night, you wouldn't have survived. Obviously, you did. You survived. As a matter of fact, since Shawn Michaels decided to uh, dump the tag team championship belt into the trash can, obviously there was a disillusionment of the tag team championship combination with you and Shawn Michaels. Therefore, Jack Tunney had to make a decision. 
with the hitman Bret Hart temporarily out of action, you were named number one contender for your opportunity in Madison Square Garden. Tell us how that felt that day. Describe that day if you would. Well, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. I was scheduled to fly in from Pittsburgh at about 8 o'clock. I took an earlier flight so I could get into the city. I took a cab from LaGuardia into the city and decided I'd walk the streets. I walked the streets of New York City and a person here and a person there wished me good luck. And as each person came to me and wished me good luck, I felt a little bit better about my chances. And as the day went on, after a couple of hundred people came up to me and said, Hey, Big Daddy, do the job tonight at the Garden. Bring home the gold, Big Daddy. Well, like Jackie Gleason says, how sweet it is because Big Daddy has got that gold. <laughs> yes, but I would suggest that... Uh, I would suggest you have not heard the last of the man who is the master of the cross-faced chicken wing, Bob Backlund. Hey, Bob, now besides those bow ties, which I got to say are quite stellar, hey, you're a real wrestler, you're a real man, I respect you. If you get the cross-wing chicken on me, hey, it might be trouble for Big D. But you know what, Bob? You got to get it on me. You got to get it on me. Whether or not that can be accomplished, I guess maybe time will tell. The hitman, Bret Hart, is watching us tonight, temporarily laid up. As a matter of fact, we uh, had him on the phone a few minutes ago. Any uh, words for the hitman? Well, I don't know Bret that well. I did combat with Bret in June at King of the Ring. It was 30 minutes of hell. The man is a great competitor. He was a true champion. I don't like the way Bret Hart's belt was taken from him. Because I think I know and everybody out there knows that if they were waiting on Bret Hart to give up on his own, Survivor Series would be going on right now. I have to agree with you there. Now, I've been a champion for a few hours, a couple of days. It's all new to me. But if there's one thing I can do one thing I can emulate from Bret the Hitman Hart is I want to become, as he was, a fighting champion. Bret never! Yes, the fighting is champion of all time. Bret never turned down a challenge. I'm not real proud of the way I got mine, but he didn't turn it down when the time came. And Bret... Enjoy that great family you have right now. Enjoy your time off. I'm sorry about the injury, but I'll tell you, as a man with my word and my hand out in front of you, anytime, anywhere, Bret Hart, you want a shot at this belt, brother, you got it. That's a promise from Big D. All right. Any, uh, any last words of wisdom? Let me think. On lives the new generation and the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah! There you have it, Big Daddy Cool, the new World Wrestling Federation champion. So, Craig, we, we're in November of 94. Uh, Diesel, 
Uh, Bob Backlund defeats Bret Hart to defeat, uh, to, to win the WWF Championship after Owen Hart, uh, after Owen's, uh, Bret and Owen's mother throws in, uh, the towel, um, and Backlund wins the title. About three days later, on a WWF live event at MSG, Diesel stepping in or subbing in for the, uh, Bret Hart who was selling the effects of the attack from Backland, uh, faces, uh, from, from, uh, yes, uh, Diesel steps into to Bret's shoes. Diesel faces Backland on the show and wins the match in eight seconds. Jack Nice Backland wins the title. Um, and then Craigie comes out on Raw and cuts the promo that we've just heard very, I think Hogan Light is a very good way of surmising it. What do you think of that that opening chapter? I, I mean, I, th- I think it, uh, it it sort of did Bret Hart's future chances not not any any great benefit in the fact that he toiled against a man that Diesel then defeated in uh, less than ten seconds. I, th- I think I think it was very obvious though that the the rocket was strapped to Diesel's back, so it was a sort of matter of time. Yeah, and they clearly thought in late 1994 that for a Survivor Series main event that Diesel versus Bret Hart wasn't wasn't the thing to do, uh, face versus face. Uh, and it, it was, I mean, with, with the rocket, the aforementioned rocket strapped his back, him being portrayed as the sort of the the face of the WWF, the the corporation's man, if you will, uh, not not a terrible. Terrible surprise at all. Uh, this sort of old-fashioned babyface uh, character, I don't think was an exact fit, but uh, it was a sort of natural progression for the for the character of Diesel. Kieran, yeah, I this opening, but I mean, are we going um, the backland stuff? Yeah. Um, it's like, why not? Why do that on like? The, my biggest thing with that is. All other things aside, is why would they not just put that on Raw? If you're going to do like a quick match like that, don't put it on like a house show because you could make Diesel look really strong in front of like live TV or you know against people who are going to be watching Raw. That was my biggest takeaway from that. I don't know what you guys think. Of, I don't know what you guys think of that of the way they did it because all of a sudden then you hear about Diesel, this guy who's got a rocket strapped to his back, as Craig said, obviously. It, that's what they're, they're pushing him to the moon, and then the title change happens at a house show. That was the one thing I just found that so bizarre. I think I think there's a point in that though, because house show attendant uh, sort of house shows were uh, obviously uh, well are a very big big part of WWF business. So they what wanting to portray that oh you've missed out on something, you really need to make sure you're right, attending yeah. this type of show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that. They, they, you, you really have to go back to, to, to the Survivor Series with, with that Diesel match that I referenced earlier in the show. Like they, they, they had him at like breaking point in that segment. They, they, you know, be bubbling up and down all year. We go back to the Royal Rumble in '94. He had that great showing. Um, you know, he didn't really, didn't really do a lot of WrestleMania. Then he made events King of the Ring. Then he's in the mid card at SummerSlam. Um, then he's in the opening match at Survivor Series that has this great showcase against a lot of other named guys. We got out of that show. It's like, right, he's ready. Like, you know, I don't know whether the, I don't know whether you wait six more months. It's, it's any different. And we look at, we look at what happened to Lex Luger and it's like, well, you missed the boat. You might miss the boat. You know what I mean? You, you missed that first bit. You might be too late. Um, 
Should have been on TV. I mean, I guess we, we you know, I can be pedantic and say we'd have to go back and look at their schedule because we're all obviously not live every week. And so, you know, there's, there's certain, there's certain elements of, um, you know, would it have been live? I think it would have been because it was after a pay-per-view. Um, but no, I, I agree with Craig. When you, when you do a title change at a house show, you remind people that, yeah, look, we don't do a lot of these, but you never know, which is that's important. A fair po- no, that's, that's, that, that, that's a, that's a fair point. It just felt if there was going to be this, like, seismic shift to this like new guy i would have thought it would have been better but like i said i i, I take that i take that on board now and, and i think there's also a fact that you know as i say just strike while the hour was hot do it as quickly mm. as you can the match was eight seconds long we saw it in its entirety on raw the the, the next raw and i, I yeah i i think there were I, I i wouldn't disagree there are other ways they could have done it but i think this was pretty good um of, of all the things i got problems with in, 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 the, in the coming year this wasn't one of them um but craig uh but Kieran, sorry that that first promo um it, it may be i mean we did discuss it on the show last year it maybe didn't look great at the time but when you look back it was like yeah this was a very clear indication of what they wanted diesel to be and what they wanted diesel to be wasn't what got Diesel there. It, it was, it, as he, we'll get to this when we listen to and discuss his promo from this month. This wasn't the big daddy call in 1994. This was something else. It was, it's, it, it just appeared very like cynical. They obviously wanted to be, they had, a, they had a clear idea what they wanted him to be, nothing to do with what he used to be, and they just said, this is what you're going to say. It's going to be the, just very bland, very vanilla. Um, and then you only have to look, you sort of jump way forward, which I know we'll get there, but then you have a look what happens after Survivor Series 95, which we just talked about, and you look at that there, and then you're thinking, oh, if that had have been there at the beginning, or sort of, you know, halfway through this run, it would have been so much better, it just did, it didn't really do anything. And Craig, the, the bizarre thing is, is that, and I think one thing, again, I don't want to keep saying we'll discuss it in a bit, but we will, is that I think his promos have improved a lot in the last 12 months. And the one thing he would have said this time last year was that, and I talk about the things that made Diesel good and, and the things that didn't. Diesel wasn't cutting long promos. It's the, the, the divergence wasn't just the style of promos he was cutting. It was the fact that his first promo after winning the title was like a six, seven minute interview in Ring on Raw. And it's like, this wasn't this wasn't diesel. It's not like we're talking about comparing it to the promo from this month where it's like this is this cool heelish leaning diesel promo. Diesel ninety four didn't say a lot. And then Craig he comes out and he cuts this weird old promo. It was jarring and I think when you look back it was the uh, the beginning of problems. I, I uh, agree uh, 100%. I mean if uh, the WWF had decided to go with Diesel as being a cool champion, uh, you have no idea what might have happened, but how his 95 run as WWF champion might have panned out. But instead, it, it did almost feel uh, like they were trying to create, well, another attempt to create a Hulk Hogan type, uh, say your prayers, eat your vitamins type champion, uh, with the sort of soft language, the family friendly language, not sort of maybe realising why previous audiences had shifted away from them and why ratings were so poor. It, I guess a, a sort of a missed opportunity more than anything. Yeah, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on in a second. I, I just think that 
that was the sign of bad things to come would be would, would be the long story short but again one thing that we we may or may not get to as we go through the months is that i actually think as as much as diesel stayed in this kind of languid hogan like type promos he got a lot better at them i think we can say that fairly comfortably you you look at some of his promos from the middle of this year he got a lot more relaxed into that character whether that character was very effective is another story but um i think one thing i kept referencing in night four was another wooden diesel promo we didn't get many of those this year um, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on to, to January, uh, once Diesel, because the, the story with Diesel at this point was that Bret Hart had gone away to, to record a, a TV series called Lonesome Dove. Uh, so I think for the entirety of December he was off television, uh, and off of live events as well. So Diesel was facing Backland in these, uh, house show main events, and as it turns out they were so bad they stopped doing them. Uh, Diesel, they, they, they switched back and out of the matches. They put Diesel in with Jeff Jarrett for the house show runs anyway. And not that, they, not that they were ever planning Diesel and Backlund for the Royal Rumble, but any hopes of maybe a, oh, first, first show in January, let's do Diesel and Backlund on Raw, they, they were scrapped if they ever existed. So we move on to, Brett against Diesel. It was effectively a rematch, if you want to call it. Brett was the former champion. Um, didn't get his rematch against Backlund because he didn't have the chance. So we moved to Brett against Diesel. But Kieran, we, we had this problem that we're trying to establish Diesel as a babyface champion. And we're putting him in the ring against someone who's far more popular. The question is, is, could they have avoided this or, or was it an inevitability? Um, as to whether they could definitely have avoided it, what they would have done with what they had at the time, I don't know, because one of my overarching things for the entire run is the lack of heels. But what you could have avoided is don't, you know, don't put him in there with a guy that, like you said, is way more popular. Um, but I just don't think there, there was a lack of credible heels for me, and I think that was the bigger, that was the bigger issue. Craig. I, I think the the problem stems from the, the the point I hit on earlier on the the fact that Brett's title reign ended with a bit of a whimper, losing to an elderly Bob Backlund, who then lost the title in very quick fashion to Diesel the next night. So on on paper it looked like no real competition. Uh, so it, it didn't seem like a, a logical fit. But then again, there there weren't really many others that. That, that jumped out. I mean, cast back to the end of what sort of mid ninety four, he had Owen Hart winning the uh, King of the Ring tournament, but he didn't seem like a terrible natural fit for a, a long term progression into the main event picture. So, I mean, without a sort of other than really the Undertaker, there wasn't really any sort of big big name people that that kept, that Diesel could have faced at the Royal Rumble. No, I mean, yeah, I, I, and plus, as we say, the fact that, you know, you, you did owe Brett a rematch, you needed a, a main event for the Rumble, I, I think they they could have avoided it, but it, it would have been a real like, awkwardly sharp turn, um, and so, yeah, they, they did what they had to do, I mean, they, they, they teased tension quite nicely, that, yeah, we, we, we heard their build-up to, to this Survivor Series match at the beginning of the show, but, you know, Brett and Diesel first faced off at King of the Ring in 94, and that match ended when... Diesel jackknife Brett and then Jim Neidhart run out and forced the DQ. So Diesel very much had this thing where we got unfinished business. So it was babyface against babyface, but it was still, there was still a story to it. And the fact that we go into the match and Brett basically just played a heel for most of the match. Did a pretty good job of it, I think. You know, in, in, in not, 
not playing a full-on heel, but going far enough where he protected Diesel. There was one point where Brett got booed where he started hitting with a chair. Um, and then that match ended by DQ. But I think... I don't know that I could have done that any differently. I don't know that there's... You know, if there was a big long list of heels, then maybe. But Craig, he mentioned Undertaker. He's a baby face. Um, and the other guy we, we, we speak about is Shawn Michaels, uh, who, let me not forget, was a heel at the time. Um, but Shawn wasn't yet in a position. I mean, right, he, he was about to win the Rumble that, that same evening, so they were getting him there, but he wasn't in a position where they could have moved him forward. And plus, that would have been an awkward transition, and then you would have left Brett, as you did for most of the rest of the year, you would have left Brett in this kind of lame duck spot. So they had to give Brett another... They had to give Brett a rematch. Um, and I, I think... It was a bit awkward, it wasn't ideal, but they, they did the best they could with that. Um, I, I think, Kira, there's probably one thing that I'd say about that one was that, and I think I said this at the time, I would have just had Diesel win. Like yeah. that, that match ended with Owen Hart running out, Shawn Michaels running yeah. out, all of that. I think Brett could have come back from that, and I think Diesel needed that win more than Brett needed to be protected. Yeah, the, I mean, the, 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 the outcome of the match was, okay with me but the way they did it just have him go just don't leave any grey areas again just have him go over clean and just have a bit of a reset I mean you'll make Diesel look a lot stronger a lot more believable to the crowd and they'll go whoa he's beat you know he's beat Brett clean in a really good match instead of the way that they did it and Craig I come back again to a point I probably made then which was if this was Hulk Hogan Hulk Hogan wouldn't have had Hulk Hogan would not have gone to a Double disqualification, no contest with with Bret Hart in his first title defence. That's yeah, that's uh, certainly a, a a very fair point, uh, a very fair point indeed. Uh, whilst you were just chatting there, I, I took uh, the opportunity to bring up the uh, contestants in the nineteen ninety five uh, Royal Rumble. Oh, good luck with this. Yeah, this this, this, <laughs> this is the uh, this is the caliber of gut. This is what you could have won. I've got well, Exactly, that, that's the point. I mean, looking through the list, uh, the, the, the only ones that aren't, for want of a better phrase, jobbers are Michaels, Bulldog, Owen Hart, but then he, that's pushing it. King Kong Bundy's probably the biggest name, uh, in the, in the Royal Rumble, but I mean, based on performances, what, a decade previous, and they only lasted three minutes in the Rumble, you've got Lex Luger, and that's that's really it. Crush? I don't know it. Exactly. Oh, I, yeah, I think the crush thing could have worked. Like you know, we, but how dreadful kind of, would that have been? Well, well, you, you, we're about to talk about Diesel and Sid, so you know. Um, yes, no. But but I, you know, the crush departed shortly after had some has some legal issues going on at the moment. All that, you know, it probably wouldn't have worked anyway. But we're talking about uh, Crush can go just. You know, Crush is better than average for, for a guy of his size. Yes. He would stand uh, opposite Diesel quite well. I think he's a guy that would have still got hit. I mean, Crush, Crush faced Randy Savage at WrestleMania last year. He's a guy they clearly had something for once yeah. they turned him. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the wider point. And, and Craig, yeah, you, you're, you're quite right. You, you look through that list. It ain't a great list. It really isn't. Same goes for the, the, the undercard at the Rumble. You've got Jarrett, not really. Uh, Erwin Arshyster, well, you <laughs> said about that, the better. And you've got Tatanka and Bam Bam. You know, maybe Bam Bam might have... Oh, there we go. Might, 
the, maybe they, maybe we finally got to our answer that Bam Bam might have been a better oh, bet. Well, I, that... I, I don't think Bam Bam would have been a great fit at this stage. You know, one for the fact that they'd already earmarked him to face Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania, but also in the fact that they needed, like, Bam Bam against Diesel at the Rumble wouldn't have been half of the, wouldn't have been half of the draw that Bam Bam against Diesel at the first in your house would be. It just in the sense that, yeah, Bam Bam would have been three months better, three months having just feuded with Lawrence Taylor. Like I, I, I think that in this moment, Brett was the right guy. It just kind of had to happen. Um, and then we, Craig, we come to the other part of, of, of the Rumble, uh, which is Shawn Michaels winning the Rumble. You talk about all the contestants in it. Um, Shawn as a heel at the time, uh, he had to win it, I think, didn't he? I don't know anyone else that could have done. Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, there was there was nothing. I mean, I guess if they'd wanted to, they could have had Luger win it, and it sort of if they'd if they'd had faith in him or wanted to give him another chance, that would have been an option. But the fact that well, a he didn't, and they had Shawn Michaels do the sort of from number one entrant to win it thing. I, I think it was I think it was very obvious that the the way they were wanting to go with was uh, with the uh, with Michaels. Yeah, um, and, and Kieran, let's let's talk of uh, of the Sean Diesel thing. I mean, Sean was a heel. The the big issue they had was that he was a heel, but a little bit like Diesel three or four months earlier, the crowd were really starting to latch onto him, and he wrestled a style that is very fan friendly. And Kieran, I never got the feeling that Sean ever wanted to fight a babyface turn. No, um. Again, it just all seems a bit... Although they make Shawn Michaels look strong by going from, you know, one to the end in the Rumble, it just... There's just something about it just... Again, it feels like a bit rushed. Maybe they saw that the the roster... The roster? The roster was really lacking at that point, and they needed someone to go up there. Um, It's just... It just, just... just doesn't feel right. The, the Shawn Michaels thing just does not feel right at the minute for me. I don't. Know, I can't really put my finger on why though. Craig, I, I, I again, we went through the rumble bit. I think Shawn was was the right winner. Um, but we look at this program with Diesel, Craig, and, and my biggest disappointment was that well, one the fact that, that that Shawn really couldn't give a shit about whether he came across as a heel or a face. Not that. Um, would it have been counterproductive in the fight? It may be, but they could have tried harder. Um, but I think more the point that Sean against Diesel, they'd been body, they'd been, you know, Diesel had been Sean's bodyguard since the middle of 93. They had about 18 months of storyline, of friendship, all that to, to work on. And the feud just felt like any other feud. Mm. And it felt like had they have amped, because I mean, they, they were sort of saying the right thing. Sean was saying, well, you know, without me, uh, w- w- without me, Diesel wouldn't have been anything, which was partly true. They, Diesel fired back, all that, fair enough. But I felt like they, they had the right program, they, it, just the volume needed to be turned up a lot more. I, I think, I think the stuff that they'd had previously when they were, uh, tag champs, uh, costing each other matches at Survivor Series, etc, etc. I thought that whole section was a lot stronger than the the programme that they had when uh, Diesel was champion and Shawn Michaels was a Rumble winner. And and, and I'm not saying that in a sort of case of when it came to this time around, we'd seen it all before. I'm not saying that, I'm just saying that 
when he did it before, it was better. Kira? Yeah, there's so many more ways they could have, like, done this. You know, obviously, like, accentuate the fact that these two guys are obviously maybe close in real life, Bring you know, bring that into it. You alluded, Bob, that Shawn Michaels didn't really give a shit. I mean, did did that come across at all in promos at all? Because I haven't seen many of the Shawn Michaels um, promos. Or is it is it more to do with the fact of he wasn't willing to do? Oh, I don't want to use the phrase "do the job" because it's such a sort of marky thing to say. But do you know what I'm saying? Is it? I, I don't it, necessarily think it was that. I think it was more that. He would rather look after number one than make Diesel look good. And yeah, that's, that's compared yeah, yeah. to a Bret Hart who, well, yeah, because they both walked into a match against Diesel in consecutive pay-per-views in very similar situations. They, all right, Bret was a face, but a very good technical wrestler facing a bigger guy. Sure was a heel, but a, a heel that was always had a certain portion of the fan base on his side, given that he was very good and he played quite a cool heel. And he was facing Diesel, a guy who was much bigger. He was the smaller technical guy, but Bret went into his match at the Rumble and said right, the only way this is going to work is if I play the heel. Sean went into his match against Diesel, went right, we're going to have a match, we'll see what happens, I'm going to jump off the turnbuckle and well, yeah, like Brett, Brett went into it a lot more selflessly than Sean did I mean it just thinks, it just it just smacks of Sean thinking say that the, um, the Sean Diesel match had gone sort of a similar way to Survivor Series 95 does Sean see that a way that no matter what happens, no matter what result, he'll look weak because he's been thrown around, um, you know, he's taken all the power moves and then ends up losing? I, I think that speaks more to that, that Sean's just really worried about looking weak and then also losing maybe losing favour with the fans. And the bizarre thing, Craig, is that Sean as a heel, if he'd have stayed a heel... Probably would have had, I mean, he wouldn't have won the title, but, it, you know, I think equally he wouldn't have won the title if he'd, if he'd have turned babyface. But if he'd have stayed a heel, he would have had more matches with Diesel and would have had more opportunity at maybe winning the title off him down the line. Sure, not fighting a face turn seems a little bit strange. Yeah, but when, I, I, I don't know how much longevity a heel Shawn Michaels has going against Come constantly against a face diesel though because we got one end you've got the sort of lumbering if you want baby face and the other end you've got the the guy that was putting in everything the the high spots the, all the action to to drag the match uh, to drag the matches up so I think a sort of there would have been an inevitable face turn uh, regardless if they if even if the the feud had played out ended a little bit longer. Yeah, um, I, I think that much like Brett, it was an inconvenience to do Sean against Diesel, but uh, and, and we can be widely critical in the sense that they didn't have other options. But this was the best program. Sean, like they they, they truncated the Royal Rumble. Sean was the star. They had to because they didn't have enough star power. That's their own fault. But this this was the match that made sense. You had all this backstory. My biggest problem with it was that they didn't use it. We get to the press conference at the beginning of March ahead of, the, ahead of WrestleMania, and Sean's not talking about his his long rivalry with Diesel. He's talking about how he's going to try and steal the show. And my bigger question was, why didn't you? This was not <laughs> this was not a good WrestleMania, and you were in there with Diesel, who can go to a good match. 
And you managed to transpire not to have a great match. I remember saying at the end of it, I think there's an argument that Bam Bam Norris Taylor was, on the face of it, probably more enjoyable. Um, but again, we've got the problem, and Craig, two matches in a row, Diesel, the big baby face, going up against a smaller baby face and having to do a lot of selling. It, it just didn't work. Yeah. The, you, I mean, it's difficult to... Uh, disagree with your your analysis of their match, what was the best match of the night, and the overall shiteness of WrestleMania 11. Yeah, no, I, I think you've I think you've summed it up very uh, accurately in the course of two sentences. And then on the same night, about 20 minutes after, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow faces off against Lawrence Taylor in the main event of WrestleMania 11. Bam Bam Bigelow loses. Bam Bam at this point is still a heel. Um, but over the course of the coming weeks, uh, well, I say over the course of the coming weeks, in the, in the kind of press conference immediately after WrestleMania, Bam Bam talks, you know, quite solemnly about how he's lost and about, you know, he's going to have to take whatever comes from the Million Dollar Corporation. I think it's the third week in April on Raw where Bam Bam faces off against Diesel. Uh, they have a, I think by all accounts, a pretty good television match. Um, and after the match, the Million Dollar Corporation turn on Bam Bam Bigelow turning him face and i think this may have been the biggest mistake of all because as, as we said diesel if you're going to have diesel as a face like he's got to face guys of a similar size as much as we you know be careful what you wish for sid mabel etc <laughs> he's if he's going to be a face it's not believable with him facing you know him against owen hart as a heel might have been quite a good match but having a 20-minute main event with Owen Hart dominating for 16 minutes being the smaller heel wouldn't have worked. So you're either in the situation where you turn Diesel, and we'll come to that in a bit as to whether we would have done. But Kieran, Batman Bigelow came out of WrestleMania 11 as a guy who lost to Lawrence Taylor, fair cop, but as a heel who had performed extremely well in the first three months, we got a, a, a 95, we got a little taste of Bam Bam and Diesel having a good uh, TV main event on Raw, and that, Kieran, should have been their programme going forward. Oh, God, this is so annoying. This is... I'm, I'm not, I'm, I've struggled to not go off on one, because I'm a massive Bam Bam fan as it is. What an absolute waste. Missed opportunity... Any way you slice it, this should have been the route you go. And like I said, what you do is you have him go up against two technical guys. Perfect. So he goes, Brett, Sean, now you find somebody of a similar size, but who can work? Now, the optative word being who can work, because like you, like you alluded to, Bob, Sid and Mabel, um, they're not very good. I'll show you that. Put um, it lightly. Yeah. Bam, bam. Oh, God. It's... It, it would just been. It would have been absolutely. Imagine them doing that sort of sit down promo thing. You know, sort of recreate the Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam interview that they did, and then the Bret Hart and these are doing. Oh, this could have been so good if they'd have done it. Real, real missed opportunity, and I think it's the most glaring thing with the lack of. It, it brings it all back to my other, my original point, the overarching thing about the lack of heels, because Bam Bam would have been perfect. He was this. He was you know, the right size. He had a different move set. It would have required Diesel to work slightly differently. It would have every every which way you shape it, it would have been the way to go. Craig or Bam Bam? Yeah, I I, I like Bam Bam. Uh, I don't think uh, quite as uh, as much as Kieran, but 
I agree with the, the sort of substantive points about the fact that it required different matches from uh, from Diesel. It'd have been uh, it'd have been completely different. Uh, I mean, they they could do. I don't know. They could have even done it. Got to there eventually with having Bam Bam Nat Five King of the Ring as a sort of that that would have made sense. A sort of you lose to the American footballer at WrestleMania, we'll let you have King of the Ring, big push from there, mm. and. That would have rounded off the year quite nicely with a, with a sort of program between a sort of monstrous big guy and a uh, diesel, and instead we're sort of bemoaning the the caliber of matches diesel was having, and equally uh, down on the direction or lack thereof that a, a baby face happy clappy bam bam was going. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we, we, we don't have time to quite discuss the, the, the decline of Bam Bam Bigelow, but yeah, like the the, the minute they turned in face, because the weird thing was, we'll, we'll introduce Sid into this story in a minute, but once you turn Bam Bam, you end up with this real situation where you've got Diesel, Bam Bam, Sean, Brett, Undertaker and Razor all on the face side. And then you look over and it's like, okay, we've got Sid who arrived in February as Shawn Michaels' new bodyguard. Um, I think that's probably the clearest indicator of any that they probably weren't planning for a Sean face turn was that they kind of had to awkwardly get out of that Sean Sid partnership pretty quickly, which they did the the week after WrestleMania. So they, they shoehorned Sid in with the Million Dollar Corporation, which I don't think was an ideal spot either. Uh, although it did, it did mean that Sid didn't have to cut long promos. Um, yeah. And then beyond Sid, you were like, and this was before kind of Mabel's monster push died happening, and you go. Okay, we've got, well, Backland, I guess, who's just faced Brett Mania in a, in a, in a properly awful match. Let's not forget that. Uh, we've got Owen Hart, I suppose. We've got Yokozuna, who just come back, and I don't know that we'd necessarily want to see Yokozuna and Diesel. But you look down the heel side, and you're like, there's alarm bells here, guys, come on. Um, and so they, turning, like, you could have kept Sean over there. I think he would have been fighting the wind in all honesty. But Bam Bam as a heel would have made sense. It would have been the the perfect program. I I can't disagree that him winning King of the Ring would have been a bad idea. I just basically I'm I'm trying to avoid getting to Sid and Diesel, which we're going to get to now. Um, but once Sid turned on Sean and and we had all that, we we united Sean and and Diesel. But equally, we got and and this is the other kicker. If this is not in '94, Diesel's first title, uh, Diesel's next title defense happens at King of the Ring. But it's '95. WWF have just start announced they're going to start doing monthly pay per views. We've got to find a match for May. We've got to find a match for July. Okay, this is becoming a bit more of a problem. So rather than getting to the first in your house and having Diesel just doing what Diesel should have been doing for the last three or four months, which is decisively winning big matches. We get to Sid, and because they've got to keep Sid strong for what I think was only going to be two shows, but because Sid powerbombed Diesel, Diesel landed on his elbow and injured his elbow, it ended up being three shows because Diesel wasn't fit enough to compete in a singles match at King of the Ring. We not only have to keep Sid strong, Kieran, we then end up with effectively three Sid and Diesel matches with a well, oh. two with a with a tag match in the middle. Lucky uh, us! No, oh, yeah. It's, my God, this—it's just why on? I can right, I can see why because you put it on a you put it on a poster and it, it's Sid Diesel, two huge guy, you know, huge guys in size. But we've alluded earlier that Diesel's quite limited. Well, I mean, I, if if Diesel's limited, what the 
hell is Sid. He's just terrible. And putting these two guys together, while visually, you know, before the match starts or, you know, when you're setting up the the feud to come or whatever, it probably looks quite good. And then the minute they start, the minute they start wrestling, it just descends into absolute shite. Yeah, um, it really does. Uh, we talk about the lack of heel depth. Who did Sid team with at Key of the Ring? To Tanker. That's... <laughs> That that was it. I mean, Craig, this feud was just awful. I mean, it's it was there, there was no compelling story to it. There was never ever really a belief that Diesel was in jeopardy, and the match quality got worse. That was a fascinating thing. Like the, the peak was in your house, the first one. It just went downhill. You're right. You'd have thought you would have expected this to be shite at the start. You'd have, you'd have expected some sort of improvement, and you know that. The, 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 the craziest thing is, see if you were sitting in creative and it was like, right, we're going with Diesel and Sid. Why is no one being like, Vince, are you sure this might not be a little bit lumbering in places? But th- there just seem to be no checks and balance to stop two guys with very limited mobility and a handful at best of moves between them having a, a, a reasonably lengthy program at the top of cards. Baffling. And it's, they didn't even have big man matches. Like, these were bad matches with a lot of submissions and a lot of groundwork and a lot of quite clunky stuff. Like, I, I, I spoke to it last month when I spoke about Diesel and Bulldog. It's like, you know, five that have gone out there and had a walking brawl. You know, it might have been, it might have been fun. It might not necessarily have been brilliant, but it might have been an interesting watch. Diesel was trying to wrestle, Diesel was trying to mat wrestle Sid. It's like, why? Like, I, 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 I don't know. It just. I mean, even like you said, um, what was the? Oh, was the, did they do like a lumberjack thing? Yeah, that was the third match, I think. Was that the third one? Two? Yeah. Yeah. The, um. So even even with even with that even <laughs> even when you throw in loads of people around the ring and and all the different ways and the different things you can do with that. It's still shit. It's just, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Craig, was there any justification for lining up a diesel heel turn at this stage? Say, May, June time. No, uh, because it wasn't working. I mean, the ratings, buy rates at house shows, uh, buy rates of events, what were they just out of interest, Craig? What were they, what were they, what, did they plummet, did, was it sort of like, almost like a nosedive when it got to Sid? It's difficult to say because, well, I mean, our show attendances were down, um, but they, you know, they, they've hardly been that healthy for a while. The pay-per-view numbers are difficult in the sense that we're dealing with new shows. Um, so it's difficult to compare year on year in the, not, like, not only does In Your House doesn't have anything to compare it to, but equally King of the Ring last year happened with no pay-per-view before it and no pay-per-view after it. So it's difficult to compare those and then we did, the, 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 the weird kicker, the weird kicker in amongst all this and amongst all the, the, the shite surrounding, you know, WWF in 1995, TV numbers were quite good. That's the thing that people forget. You look at when they promoted big matches, Diesel and Bam Bam did a good number on Raw. Undertaker and Jeff Jarrett about five weeks later did a good number on Raw. TV ratings were belying all of the other numbers that were going the other way. Um, but that were, well, you know, if Diesel and Bam Bam draw in a TV segment, 
then that's a good sign. We can't take that away from him. But yeah, it, it, I, I would say it was mixed. I think that's probably yeah. the best way to describe it. I'm sure if we had Dave Meltzer on, he'd be able to talk to a lot more metrics that I'd, I'd memorised and haven't read. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was mixed. But equally, it's like how show attendances are down, and traditionally you say when they're down, it's the guy on top. So yeah, it didn't necessarily reflect that well on him. Go on, go on, Craig. Yeah. Carry on. What, what, what I was going to say is, I mean, I, I wasn't going to uh, apportion all of the blame onto Diesel. I mean, I, I, I do understand the point you just raised there, but Pan on top has to take some of the blame. But, I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a different uh, sort of... There, there, were, there were obviously various issues, but what I was going to suggest was that you'd think at one point you'd be like, right, whatever re- for whatever reason, things aren't working, we need to freshen things up and turn in Diesel back to being a heel after his previous success as a heel, considering how loaded the, as we've previously alluded to, the, the sort of babyface uh, side of the, the promotion was, seems startlingly obvious. Kieran? Yeah. Just, I think, again, my two overarching things, I've said, I know I've said before about the lack of heels, but also... I've come to this and I've come to realise that you can't really put all the blame... Like Craig says, you just can't put all the blame on Diesel. Whereas before when I sort of look at it sort of individually, I, I look at a guy like Diesel and what he's doing, he doesn't appear to be doing anything. But with what he's given, what 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 more can I expect from the guy? Do you know what, I'm, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, th- and I, think that's, I think that's that point is encapsulated within the Sid feud. It's like... I look at, I, I tend to, I tend to, before I sort of looked at it as a whole, I tend to portion a lot of the blame, wrongly now, I think, on Diesel, because he's the champion, he should be trying to, you know, push everything, but at the same time, if they're not giving him worthy opponents who aren't built up to begin with, what is the guy going to do, Bob? What's he, what's he got to do? He's got nothing to work with. Yeah, I mean, you would think that, Okay, all right. The the the, the pay per view decision came, I think March was when they decided they were going to open up the taps. They were, I can't I can't think who came first. So I think it was WCW who, who announced it first, and WF followed suit about three weeks later. And you would think at that point it's like, okay, we've now got to do, yeah, because before they announced it after WrestleMania, there was three pay per views for the end of the year. After they announced it, all of a sudden there's like eight. So it's like, okay. Um, we now need quite a lot of opponents for Diesel because if you're gonna, if you're gonna try, because this is the thing, like, if you're gonna make Diesel Hogan, make him Hogan. Like, like, do what you did with Hogan. Build a lot of guys up, have Diesel beat them. Then build the next guy up, have Diesel beat them. And, and, you know, you, you could have almost have done eight consecutive shows with Diesel as champion. And just had him face a different guy each time. It would have been a li- little clunky. But you know what? I think Diesel would have been quite well off come the end of the year. Admittedly, you would have thrown a lot of name opponents into awkward situations. And you'd have had... But I think you'd have had a very over Diesel with a, a kind of heel roster that's a bit wobbly. But... You would think, okay, it's March. We've got eight pay-per-views. Let's start get. Let's start building a list of opponents for Diesel, so that it doesn't feel so, quite so clunky when we've got to just push Mabel into that spot month by month. And they didn't do that. And it's like I look at if you're not going to turn if you turn Diesel in June, you open up. 
Him against Sean again, with Sean as the babyface, him as the heel. You can do the Diesel and Brett rematch. You can do Diesel and Undertaker. You can do Diesel and Razor. You can do all of these matches. Or, your other option, you keep him as a babyface, and you say, right, we've got to stack the heel roster. We turn Razor. We keep Bam Bam as a heel. We work out wherever we left Owen Hart and push him again. We take some... Well, I mean, you probably don't have Bill Backlund. They tried that. It didn't work. We go with Jeff Jarrett, a guy who, as we saw, um, who, who was the guy who filled in for him uh, uh, um, who had, I think had a match with him for the title, I think in February on Raw, and filled in for Backlund in December on the house shows. You start going, okay, we need a conveyor belt of heels to face Diesel over the next six months. And they didn't do that. I mean, you know, we went out with three matches against Sid. They they went with Mabel, wrongly. We'll come to that in a second. And then they decided mid-August, shit, we've got to turn Bulldog, we need a new opponent. So they turned him and threw it later, or a couple of months later he was facing him. It's like... They, they, they didn't look prepared. Like, I, at, at least if they had a plan, at least if they executed a plan and it was bad, I would go, okay, this was the idea, it didn't work. Craig, I, I'm not even sure they had a plan. No, you're, you're right. Uh, just to come in on your point, I mean, you're talking about being in March. I mean, there's no reason that you couldn't take, I don't know, someone like Adam Bomb, have him in a, destroy a couple of jobbers, just, just strap a, a rocket, to his back for a little bit June, July in a decent place, he doesn't look totally out of the picture, Diesel beats him, the, not, nothing ventured nothing gained, and if Adam Bomb's starting to actually look quite decent then I don't know, given the Intercontinental title run you know, just sort of go with something, but it, they just it, you, you almost you either got the impression that they didn't have a plan or they didn't really want to, to take a risk, which both just seem utterly crazy it's like there's no it's, there's nothing wrong with trying different things with different guys but they just seemed unwilling or unable to do that but crucially Craig they had one plan that plan came in the form of Mabel yes <clears throat> go on, Craig it shows the weaknesses of of your plan B's and your plan C's if that is your your A plan doesn't it I mean, we all know the sort of, if you want, McMahon's fetish for, for big guys, but it used to be sort of muscle-bound guys, not morbidly obese rapper guys. So, no. It was, and, it, at it, least he's not on steroids. There's no, there's no debate. <laughs> there's no, there's, 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 there's no middle ground. Like, oh. we're, we're, like we're, there's no suspicion. That, that's the one positive. Are you sure, Bob? Oh. I think it's a real like, lengthy stints in the gym for me. Yeah. I'd consult a different doctor if Mabel's on steroids. Uh, carry on, Craig. I th- yeah, I think if Mabel's on steroids, he's also forgetting to combine that with doing arm curls. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. The, that, that plan is, is awful. Uh, again, I'm, I mean, I can just repeat what I said for said. You'd hope someone be like, hold on, Vince, aren't these matches going to be quite lumbering? Or in the case of Mabel versus Diesel, Almost like two dead people trying to wrestle. It's just you're not you're not going to expect anything <laughs> akin to a sort of high impact match, and I, I, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Bret Hart made sense in '93 after what happened at WrestleMania Nine because of the family feud. Owen Hart was a logical next King of the Ring winner, uh, but to, I, I I just don't understand the sort of logic that. You take a sort of guy that was languished in a tag team that 
folk had spent, let's be honest, about at least 12 months not really caring about and thinking he might be the logical next next jump up. Why not give it to Razor Ramon? Why not, I don't know, use it to sort of elevate a star? Because, I mean, whilst Owen Hart had been there or thereabouts in 94, he was never a, a main eventer. I mean, if you put, if you did Razor Ramon winning 95 King of the Ring, that would have been a step up from Owen the previous year in terms of card position at the time. But it was just, it's difficult to, to work out any logic. And if you factor in the, the click stuff backstage, the idea of Razor versus uh, Diesel in, in main event pictures it sort of seems like a sort of logical logical move for for that grouping as well. Yeah, if, if that group was as, as uh, had as much pull in your logic, and if you factor in the, the click stuff backstage, the idea of Razor versus uh, Diesel in, in main event pictures and sort of seems like a sort of logical logical move for for that grouping as well. Yeah, if, if that group was as, as uh, had as much pull as, as the reports this month suggest, you would you you would figure that Diesel might be able to uh, you know throw his friend a bone, but uh, but apparently not. So can we get to King of the Ring? Uh, King of the Ring, sorry, SummerSlam rather. It's Diesel and Mabel and. As much as I said at the top of the show, I probably enjoyed SummerSlam more than Survivor Series. I think I did. And as much as I think any pair of people would have struggled to follow Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon in the ladder match, nobody should have been made to do that. That match should have gone on last. Not like there isn't a president for that in 94. As so, they must have seen how utterly shit the Sid Diesel thing was, right? They, mu- they must have seen it. Unless three they times, were Three times. Three times it's like, Shit, shit, shitter. So I tell you what we'll do. We'll throw up again. We'll we'll we'll, we'll just book something that we know is going to be shit, and we'll do it again. I, I, like Craig says, there's there's nobody. I know, I know. Obviously, we know what kind of character Vince McMahon is, right? We all know that he's you know verging on sort of like a dictatorship, probably when it comes to creative choices. But surely somebody must have put their hand up and gone. Hey, Vince, I think if you put Diesel up against this fat bloke, it's going to be utter horse wank. <laughs> somebody must have somebody must have said something but i just think vince was just like no i'm going to put up diesel against these huge guys and he's just going to go out steamroller over them which is fine and like you said bob it's fine if you do the hogan thing where you feed him the monster you feed him an earthquake which they could have done if they'd have done sort of like built mabel up as like another sort of earthquake i know he's vince was just like no I'm going to put up Diesel against these huge guys and he's just going to go out steamroller over them, which is fine. And like you said, Bob, it's fine if you do the Hogan thing where you feed him the monster, you feed him an earthquake, which they could have done. If they'd have done sort of like built Mabel up as like another sort of earthquake. I know he's he can't, you know, sort of move or wrestle like Earthquake did, uh, whatever that was. Um, but they could have done that sort of thing. So keep feeding Diesel the monsters. But no, they just give these guys no build. They put them up against Diesel, and lo and behold, it's rubbish. The, I think the I think the only reason that creative can logically get to Diesel versus King Mabel is if they're sitting around there and they're talking about Diesel versus Sid and thinking, here, you know, that was that was all right, but for me, I thought it was too fast paced. How do we take some of the pace out of this? 
if that's the thought process, <laughs> that's alarming. But honestly, that's the only way you can that's... actually make that jump, though, isn't Somebody it? Somebody I mean, probably it? said that in 1995, bro. I can believe that somebody yeah, I know. said that. We, we need to remove some of the oh, one or two attributes of taste oh, from this God. And it was just a horrendous match. I mean, that moment where, the moment where Mabel just sits on Diesel's spine. It's just like, oh, I mean, it was, it was kind of horrible to watch. And then, you know, Mabel starts blowing up. Of course he does. And mercifully it's one and done. And there's some stuff. Steroids will do that to you. Well, that's, that's true. Um, and, uh, there's some stories backstage about how, you know, Diesel was pretty pissed off that, you know, Mabel tried to paralyze him, which I guess is fair enough. Um, and, 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 and of course they decided, well, you know, alright, we'll, we'll give up a maze of Mabel, I know, we'll put him with Undertaker, of course, but that, that, that's, that's not for this one. Anyway, the week before this match happened on Raw, uh, they turned Bulldog. Uh, and, and again, as they talk about them not planning ahead, now, alright, in September we had Diesel and Sean against Owen and Yoko in the, the, the tag schmals that us three, us three reviewed. And, but before that, they, that, that, I think, Craig, that's the, that's the big sign that they just weren't really planning ahead was that they just turned Bulldog on about five minutes notice and then all of a sudden Bulldog's facing Diesel. And it's like, yeah. where's the build? Where's the story? I know I talked about them turning people, but it's like Bulldog should have been careering up the right hand side for the last three or four months as a heel, like bearing in on the championships to create this big match. Instead, you just went, Oh, Bulldogs, right, we, we, we worked out we needed an opponent, we, we've turned probably the eighth best option. Yeah, he's not doing anything, let's turn him heel and focal care. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, there is no sort of long-term plan, it was a, it was almost like the end point was getting the title on, on, uh, Diesel, and then there was a sharp realisation that shite, there's actually more beyond this, and we have nothing planned. I still can't look beyond the idea of just giving giving some mid card heel a a push for a couple of, a winning streak on Raw for a couple of weeks, demolish some mid carder that no one cares about, like Bob Holly in a pay per view, and then you can legitimately start to be like, oh, person starting to be quite strong, and then it leads to a match versus Diesel that can't be as shit as Mabel or Sid justice and everyone seems a little bit happier with things but you're right no long-term planning uh and just just a distinct lack of talent and that 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 hampered uh diesel's reign and clearly had more of an adverse effect effect even sorry on raising drawing power etc than than diesel himself kieran was already saving it at the beginning of september or, 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 or were we kind of Heading toward an inevitable doom. It, it, it just smacked the whole thing. Just smacks of inevitability because they, they could have seen what the roster was like at that point, and at that point they needed to start doing something to start. Like I said to start trying to turn people now. In all seriousness, is an absolute joke. It is an absolute joke, and like I said, it goes back to my point of I really actually I've gone all I've completely done a 180, and I actually really think Diesel was really hard done by throughout this whole run, just given nobody. And then if he's given somebody that's even a half-decent wrestler, it's a bulldog that they turn at a minute's notice. So there's there's really, there's really, when you look at it that way, the estab- an established heel is people that can't wrestle. If there's people that he can wrestle, such as like uh, a bulldog, they have to be turned at the last minute and there's no build to it at all. 
So it's just it's just very inevitable in the end, Bob. Yeah, I mean, at, at this stage, you know, like a lot of the damage is already done. Um, you know, they brought in a they brought in a Dean Douglas, and we've kind of been through that. And you know, I, I don't know that that Shane Douglas would have been the answer. I think he would have been far more entertaining. But I, I don't know whether the match quality would have picked up. Certainly, with a guy Douglas's size as a heel going up against a guy of Diesel's size as a face, you would have run into very similar problems with Sean and Brett, just with half the wrestler. Um, so you know, um, but I don't know that yeah I, I don't know what you could have done i mean I, yeah they, they had this whole you know they had the whole triple header thing maybe if they were really i don't know about panicking but maybe if they just wanted to turn left like maybe if you don't build up to it you just have a snap change maybe yokozuna pins diesel not that i think you want to give yokozuna the title mm. you can just create i don't know like just create this element of chaos for a few just months do with, something i think what you're getting to bob is just do something Maybe at this stage, the best way to save him would have been to take the title off of him abruptly with, you know, maybe give it to Owen, even if it doesn't make sense, because then you can kind of do what they did with Brett to Backland. Give it to Owen. Owen can then lose it to Brett, and then we can work out this mess with Diesel, having him having not really truly lost the title in a way that was definitive or meaningful, and then we can relaunch him rather than what they did do, which was kind of just, you know... Letting just career into a wall, you know, it was just like they 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 weren't smart enough to realise their faults, and I think by the time they realised it, Craig, which was probably the bit where Vince McMahon takes off his headset at the end of In Your House Four and shouts horrible, mouths horrible. By the time they realised it, it was probably too late. Yep, too stubborn. Uh, it, it, it's almost the case of you, you almost get the impression maybe sorry that it's like Vince McMahon's like god damn it this guy is going to be the next big thing and I'm just going to stick with him and it is is the months progress where there's so little he's been fed absolute rubbish it's 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 like a striker getting no delivery for him and blaming the striker for not being able to score goals it's it's almost like that if you don't give him anything decent, then you can't really expect anything decent from him. And just the they, they left it too late to change things. And by the end, it was just a, just inevitable, the most inevitable thing in the world that uh, at Survivor Series, you, you took a guy like Bret Hart that, like I said earlier, had been languishing in the mid card. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't even remember what made him earn his title shot. Uh, but let's be honest, we're kind of relieved that it was Bret Hart back in the picture. And you know, going forward, it's probably it's 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 going to be stable. It's Bret Hart's like a safe pair of hands, more than someone that's going to revolutionise things. Bret, Bret Hart is the Ric Flair of the the 1990s, isn't he? He's the guy that we go back to when our our latest crazy yeah. idea doesn't work. It's exactly right. Well, we tried we tried that guy that's a trucker apparently, and that didn't work. So let's let's give it back to to Bret it Hart. Just, and it just it takes them like three quarters of a year to get to that point. <laughs> yes. Whereas if and they whereas if they take the belt off him a bit, uh, you know, like Bob said, if they take the the belt off him a bit earlier, they maybe give themselves, you know, they turn Diesel they turn Diesel himself at that point. Maybe not do it earlier on, but to do it at that point. And Diesel is. The 
obviously with something to say, he left the arena at the Survivor Series. A lot of people are probably wondering where Big Daddy Cool's head's at right now. I'd like to know. You know, I thought about it, and I thought maybe I'd come out here and apologize. For what I did to Brett, and for what I did to all my dear fans. Who needs them? I don't think so. Oh. You know, last night when I went back to my hotel room, I wondered if I'd be able to get any sleep. For the first time in a year, I slept like a baby. When I woke up this morning and I looked in the mirror, you know what I saw? A small smile on my face. It's the first time I saw myself smile in a year. Because I saw myself. Not some corporate puppet that you decided to create, Vince. No. Oh. You missed the ball on this one, baby. You missed the ball. After I won the title, 24 hours later, I'm up in Titan Tower with the marketing suits, the merchandising suits. Hey, Diesel, we need you to smile a little bit. We need you to be a little bit more politically correct. A little bit more corporate. Well, baby, what you saw last night was the tip of the iceberg. Big Daddy Cool's back. That same guy you saw in Providence at the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago. Now is my family, my friends, that clue too, Shawn Michaels. And I, I'm not saying something. I'm not saying I'm not going to smack hands. But it better have a black glove on it, baby, because I know you're with me. Whether you like me, love me, or hate me, hey. That's the way it's going to be. I'm back. And then Craig, after he loses the title, he comes out on Raw, interferes in a, or interrupts match, including bodied on a skip, grabs the microphone, cuts the promo we just listened to, and it's like, this is the guy, remember? It's, it's, it's like, where have you been? This is what could have been. Let's be honest. That if if that that's what it is. That's the the sort of cool champion that Diesel could have been. Could have been the sure it might not have sort of had kids flocking to the the merchandise stalls to buy Diesel T-shirts, but it'd have been the 
the the guy for the sort of teenage audience that they could they can relate to rather than the sort of you know say your prayers type type baby face that that's what it could have been it could have been the edgy kind of rock and roll star looking WWF champion that a, a, a more adult audience could have started to take to rather than trying to create a kid friendly baby face action hero. And, and Kieran, I think it's probably safe to say there was a fair bit of Kevin Nash in that promo. I don't, I don't know that he would have had one the ability or two the motivation to cut that kind of promo a year ago. Yeah, I. It, it's exactly as soon as he started talking, I actually felt like it was, um, it was shoot. I actually felt like he'd gone out there off his own back. Um, and like with some of the things on the pay per view we just reviewed, refreshing. It was just so good to see him back to that character. It immediately put, you could see like, Vince McMahon's obviously like acting to some degree, but it instantly puts people on edge because he comes out there and this character just exudes so much more confidence. He's so much more comfortable in this kind of character, in these shoes, um, that going forward, I can just, I just hope that they run the course with this. Craig, what do you do going forward? The 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 point Kieran just made there about the the, the hope for uh, Kevin Ash's this is is it not just come too late though I mean it it, I, it does seem a little bit sort of uh, that it's going to just be too little too late for the Diesel character I think uh, absolutely it is the best way forward uh, it's also probably the only way forward but I just don't envisage him being able to be thrust back into the main event and being seen as a serious player after a very, very tedious, although not entirely all his own fault, run as WWF champion. And if we look at recent history with with Lex Luger, who admittedly didn't win the title, uh, and Bam Bam Bigelow, if one thing shows us anything is that Vincent Mann can put a guy as high on the card as he likes... The minute he gives up on them, they can fall very, oh, very quickly. And like, that's, you know, there's, there's, there's the phrase, you know, the bigger they are, the further they've got to fall. Like, you almost feel like if, if Vincent Mann, I, I don't think <clears throat> Vincent Mann could afford to give up on Diesel. I don't know, Kieran, does he go, does he go on as a heel now or as a face? I don't really. I, I, I actually, I actually don't. I am, I actually think he should flip between the two. And my, the way I would do it is. He, re- he rebels against um, the company, so he becomes anti-company. You can have him sort of do heelish things, but still remain sort of a face. Just have him completely rebel against the Diesel character. Have him go out there as Kevin Nash is how is how I would do it. Now, I don't think Vince would ever do that because he obviously likes things that the, the things that he creates is the things he sticks with no matter what. So going forward. I think it's just it's just going to completely capitulate and fall by the wayside, no matter what Diesel does. But if it, for me, what I would do going forward is I would have Diesel completely rebel against the character, against creative, against Vince, and go out there and just say, "I'm Kevin Nash now. This is who I am. I'm back to Big Daddy Cool, and this is it going forward." Craig. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really all that, that that can be done to to sort of uh, salvage. The, the character, I don't think, uh, it can be a character that's a main event or, uh, sorry, I don't think it's a character that can be a champion, but it can certainly be, uh, there or thereabouts, uh, but I, I just think it's too damaged after, uh, after the title run that, that 
uh, he will be largely blamed for. Uh, and I think your point, Bob's probably right as well. The, we've seen what happens when Vince uh, loses interest in someone and we can't imagine it's a, a great period for uh, Kevin Ash with that on his mind. Yeah, I, I'd turn him. Um, you know, we, the, the issues with the roster aren't any different now, particularly than they were three or four months ago. Um, you know, it, it is too late in a way, but it's like, well, Brett's going to run through Bulldog next month. He's going to need an opponent at the Royal Rumble. Probably going to be Diesel. Um, if Sean's going to win the title at uh, WrestleMania next year, Sean's going to need an opponent once he's you know rematched Brett. Uh, I, I think they owe it to themselves to keep Diesel strong so they can put him in that position. And then maybe finally we can get Diesel as a heel against Sean as a face working off their history. Like that actually could be quite a, quite a big matchup, but who knows? Um, uh, one final question, just we, we've gone much longer on this topic than I expected. Um, Craig, uh, as a, as a ratio, as a percentage, how much of this blame lies with Kevin Nash and how much of this blame lies with Vincent Mann and the WWF? Uh, well, God, there's a question. Uh, I think it's more to do with the WWF because he could only face the people who were chosen to face him. So I would, I would probably argue 70, 30. Kieran? I would, see, I've gone like I said, I've gone completely 180, and I would put, I would probably go 60-40 in favour of um, the WWF, and then like 40 with Kevin Nash. I'd probably say 80-20. Um, you know, the, the only stuff with Brett and Sean is an ideal, but I, I kind of think you have to go there. Um, the, the 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 big complaint is what comes after that. You know, he he came out of WrestleMania in fairly decent shape. Yeah, we we can pick some some holes and some questions into what they did before, but I can kind of justify everything they did before Mania. Like he probably should have beaten Brett, but I know why he didn't. And it's like, yeah, you know, fine. Uh, he had to face Sean, but they needed more on that match. And then after that, they should have had a long list of of you know a long list of heels to face. And when that failed, they should have turned him, and they didn't. And it's like, in amongst all this, I think Diesel improved a lot on the mic. Whether he improved in the ring, it's very difficult to say, because they put him with progressively inferior opponents. Um, and we come to the end of this discussion, and it's like, the future's uncertain. Um, you know, in terms of, as, as I say, the, the, the real alarming fact is that once Vince gave up on Lex Luger, Lex Luger fell very, Lex Luger fell far further than he should have done. Vince McMahon, on, on the history of the stuff we've done, does not sit very well with, once he's given up on a guy, it's not like, okay, Luger's not going to main event, but we'll keep him as the number three baby face. We'll keep him pretty strong. He can be the guy that heels beat on their way to Brett. Luger fell quickly. Luger fell into irrelevance quite quickly. He fell into opening tag team act with a bulldog at the beginning of 95. Bam Bam Bigelow went from WrestleMania main eventer to upper card enhancement talent in the middle of the year to lower hard card enhancement talent to don't really give a fuck. In seven months, having headline WrestleMania, it's like, that's a fast fall. If those two can fall that quickly, I know Diesel was champion for a year, but he's got a lot further to fall. Equally, it will be a lot more noticeable. I, I think that's probably the way to end it. Anyway, we, we ran over an hour on that discussion, along with the rest. It's been a long show. Uh, I'd like to thank, firstly, Kira Mitchell. 
Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me on again. No problem at all, Kieran. You are on Twitter. I am at JotunThrash666. And Craig Wilson? A pleasure was all mine. I love uh, the 1995 Survivor Series, hence my uh, insistence on getting the last word. Yes, yes, indeed. indeed. Uh, Craig, you are on Twitter and you also have your wrestling website, Plug Away. I do indeed. Uh, you can find uh, mine and my uh, Slates of My Pals discussions on uh, wrestling from a reasonably large uh, standpoint of a, of a vintage perception. Uh, so... Uh, obvious overlap for some of the listeners here and you'll find that at ringthedambell.wordpress.com and you can find the, the blog's Twitter feed uh, which is just twitter.com forward slash ringthedambell but the final L is replaced by a 1 because some rotter has already registered Ring the Damn Bell. There we go, there we go. Craig is never going to be not bitter about that, but that's that more, more power to him. Anyway, uh, yes, you've got two more volumes of the show coming up. Uh, volume 2 is WCW. We're looking at the World War 3 pay-per-view. Uh, volume 3 is all your ECW action. Quite an interesting November to remember there. Uh, you can find all the information released on Wrestling20RS.com, Facebook.com forward slash Wrestling20RS, with Twitter at Wrestling20RS. Um... That's about it, really. iTunes is on the website. RSS is on the website. Uh, you subscribe to the email newsletter on there as well. And I think that's about it. So I've been Bob Bambert. This has been the WWF Volume 1 part of the November 1995 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. And until next time, goodbye.